The universe is bigger than we can imagine. Look outward beyond the stars with six short stories from visionary best-selling authors. In these epic tales, an AI awakens to its purpose. A researcher sees a thousand new worlds for one more chance at love. And murder rocks the crew of an interstellar ship. With a sweeping sense of wonder, these short stories explore the galaxy and the horizons of humanity's potential. Authors include James S.A. Corey, Veronica Roth, Rebecca Roanhorse, Anne Leckie, Nettie Okorafor, and John Scalzi. Voyage Beyond the Stars with the Far Reaches Collection from Amazon Original Stories. Prime members read and listen for free. Learn more at Amazon.com slash Far Reaches. Listeners, by the time you hear this, I will be in the Emerald Isle, and Andrew will be tucked away in his new condo in Lincoln Square. And so as you know, we are on a bit of a hiatus as we both complete our big moves, the biggest moves in our lives. And so we wanted to choose two episodes um, that we really adore, episodes that we produced and that we loved talking about with you. The episode that I chose is episode 22. It got released September 20th, 2019. Remember all the way back then? And episode 22 was called Chicago is Terrifying, but also pretty cool. We had a great time with this because Chicago is a place that we both really love. Um, and now, as I'm away from Chicago, it's a place where I lived for 20 years, and it's a place that is always going to be a huge part of my life. It's where I really grew up, um, and it's a place where a lot of things happened, a lot of good, some bad, but all of it really wonderful. Chicago is a hard city to love, but it's a great city to love, and when you live in a place like this, um, it's a place that you can't really imagine living anywhere else, so now being gone from it, this is the one that I give to you. We'll talk about a couple of great films in this too, Candyman and Stir of Echoes. Two films that it is absolutely impossible to do and to even think about without thinking about the Windy City. So I hope you enjoy this. Here's episode 22, Chicago is Terrifying, but also pretty cool. Dread Podcast Network presents... Well, it's a fun day in Chicago. Yeah, we're at the baseball game. At the Wrigley Field. Yeah, it's a historic Wrigley Field. You know, I love seeing a ball game here. There's nothing quite like going to a baseball game in Chicago. I agree. Oh, oh. I think, I think the hot dog vendor is coming over. You do love do, you, do you want something? I mean, I love a good wiener. Might as well. Okay. Hey, hey. Hot dog. Hot dog. Two, two hot dogs over here. Two hot dogs. Two hot dogs. Give it away. Just, just, how much? How much? Uh, $8 each. $8 just, just give me a Chicago dog. That's fine. Okay. What, what, it comes, what comes out? What do you want like for your like toppings? So, you know, you have to oh, well, sh- oh, Chicago dog. I need, um, I need onions, mustard, relish, celery, salt, a pickle, sport peppers, and slices of tomato, please. Sounds good. Okay, oh, thank you. Ooh, yum. I, love, right. I love a good one. Um, I think for mine, I just want, um, let's see, a relish, uh, mustard for sure, uh, and like some ketchup. Ketchup? This is Chicago. We don't put ketchup on our dogs, you jagger. Yeah, oh, oh, my uh, God. What have you done, Andrew? I don't know. I just, I, I'm from Michigan. Go. I'm get from it. Michigan. We have to run. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Us. Hurry. All right. It's episode 22, all about Chicago horror. Huh. Candy 
afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. The box. You opened it. We came. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. I love China. I just want them to suffer. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. Since 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to them later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. Do you understand that? Turn the freaking frogs gay. Serious crap gay. Frogs freaking frogs. It's not funny. I'm going to say it real slow for you. Picture a no man's land with broken windows, dark abandoned buildings, no law and order. There are carefully demarcated areas controlled by rival bands of armed militia fighting over the rubble. Nearly every night there's sniper fire. It sounds like Beirut, but in fact it's America. A creature of state, local and federal government. The product of bad politics, failed policy and official neglect. It exists unseen except by those who live there a stone's throw away from some of the most valuable real estate in our nation's third largest city. Welcome back, everyone, to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. This is Matt Tay. And I am Andrew. Oh, I like that. That was good for us. Um, <laughs> welcome to episode... That was brand new. That was unscripted, folks. Um, welcome to episode 22. Um, here we are. Um, and we're talking today about something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. We're calling this episode Chicago Horror. Chicago Horror. Um, and we got, we've got a good show planned. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, in our horror in real life segment, about um, some Chicago haunts, some interesting little tidbits about Chicago that maybe you haven't heard before that might entice you to come visit us and bring us gifts. Um, I, I, <laughs> I like how they're coming to visit yep, us and, and not well, the city. And bring us gifts, too. Um, but then also so we're going to start off with um, talking about some Chicago bullshit, and we'll get to that in just a second, um, because it really connects, actually really to both of our films when you think mm-hmm. about it. It connects to uh, the two films we'll be talking about in our horror and media segment, which are uh, 1999's Stir of Echoes and 1992's Candyman. So great show plan. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Andrew, what are you most excited for in this show? In this episode? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I'm excited to talk some like little haunting stuff. Yeah. And you've got uh, some good ones planned yeah. out here. And I, I, I just you know, spoiler alert. I really like both the movies that we're going to talk yeah. about, so they should be a lot of fun to talk about. Awesome, cool. Yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. Yeah. So, um, just in case it's your first time, we got to cover the cover off on this. Sure. The, our podcast is all about horror in real life and horror in the media from an LGBT perspective so if you're here for that get ready because that's what you're gonna get because <laughs> let's talk about racism folks yeah, yeah we're here everyone's for it. favorite topic yes racism yeah <laughs> um the american tradition um it's actually really important to talk about because you can't talk about Candyman part one i mean really or Candyman part two honestly either uh, without talking about um the legacy of racism in america but what's great about Candyman part one from 92 is that it um it it, it it specifically deals with racism and um and and uh, and housing 
and uh, and gender issues within Chicago specifically. Yeah. And when you think about Chicago, a lot of you probably know about you know some different projects that were in Chicago. And every big city has its quote unquote projects, right? Right. The 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 wrong side of the tracks. Totally. But you as know, they are labeled, <laughs> without a doubt, and and honestly, because they are. Um, and projects often are a function of society um, pushing its poor people off to the edges of of a city of, or wherever of, they want to put them of, of, yeah. exactly, of, of an urban area which is what they did with cabrini green Ooh, tell me about cabrini so, green yeah cabrini green um started in the 40s in chicago actually it was torn down finally in the 2000s yeah it got um, torn down actually the year i moved here which was 09 uh 2010 but it was it was it it was it was like halfway done yeah it was like just the main towers were left and they that had just been demolished when i moved here yeah cabrini green is um it was an awful terrible rotten place um if you have seen Candyman part one which i'm gonna guess you probably have um that's really not that far off from what it was actually like yeah um and scenes from that movie were filmed at cabrini green so like it's very close and the rest of the movie was filmed mostly in chicago um not just in that got some cool facts for that when we handle the movie without a doubt um and so cabrini green was a housing project and it was meant to be sort of a utopia at first in the yeah i think it i think it started with like very um good intentions mother cabrini yeah um and you know it was it was also very church-based and and with the best of intentions but um when uh the city got its nefarious hands all over it because chicago has always been a nefarious city corrupt there has never been a mayor here that has not been corrupt there's never been a city government that wasn't interested in making money off the backs of poor people and black people And there's never been um, a real sense of racial harmony in Chicago. A lot of people, when they first visit Chicago, are often, um, they're really surprised that it's not quite like other big cities in that we are a city of neighborhoods. Yeah. Neighborhoods all over the place. I mean, and, and to, to that effect, even our neighborhoods have their own leadership. So they, we exactly. have aldermen, right, which right. not a lot of places have. Right. They, they have city councilors that, that maybe have like much larger constituencies. Aldermen, there's 50 of them in Chicago because we have 50 different wards. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, each neighborhood is really racially segregated, mm-hmm. no longer by law, but uh, certainly by custom. And so if you go to places like North Lawndale, for example, or in Austin on the west side, you're going to find predominantly black neighborhoods full of people that are mostly poor and people that are ex-convicts. Mm-hmm. So Cabrini Green was eventually torn down um, because there was just no saving it. Yeah, there, I, I distinctly remember a lot of stories about gangs that have oh, yeah. kind of like, and, and it's not it was it, they kind of just sprung up out of what happened there like it wasn't like they were manufactured outside of cabrini green it really came up from people living there sure because people eventually got pushed to cabrini green because of redlining mm. and redlining if you don't know what this practice is uh this was a practice uh that the fha the federal housing authority used uh in the uh in the early 20th century to define where they were going to basically do loans and then hmm. what type of loans for housing. Okay. So on maps, they would draw they would draw up districts basically. Okay. And they would look at the desirability of the neighborhood or of the area or the you know whatever. Like based on income, based on and income stuff like that. Stuff to do, okay. like, like the, the the attractiveness of it. Okay. I mean, you name it, yeah. basically. Parks and, and parks. So, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Education, whatever. I'm sure. And yeah. so many of the neighborhoods, uh, you know, were graded A or B or C, whatever. A lot of neighborhoods were graded D. 
And those neighborhoods were specifically redlined on the actual FHA maps. Those districts are actually red as opposed to the green or yellow districts. That we'll, you post a, we'll post a, a photo of yeah. like what this actually looks like. And it's a great photo to look at because mm-hmm. when you look at those photos and you compare them to today, you'll see that the red districts, the red line districts, uh, match up with our poorest neighborhoods still today. Interesting. And the most violent neighborhoods still today. And the neighborhoods where most ex-convicts live today. Hmm. So everything is really correlated here. And when it came to the redlining districts, why this is important, particularly in, in context of, of, of this discussion, because black people were not able to rent or buy anywhere else in the city. Oh, and, in the, in, and in the Great Migration, you know, when a lot of black people came up from the South, they didn't know. I mean, they, they came from nothing. Yeah, they came from yeah. sharecroppers, sure. where they didn't own a damn thing. So they come up here, they start making some money in, in whatever industrial job they could find, because Chicago was such a hub for that. And so then they get all this predatory lending coming their way. And they don't know what mortgages are. They don't know right. what, like, what the difference even is. Right. And so a lot of them, and this is, you know, way back when now. They buy houses on contract in these red line districts. And it's different from a like from an actual Yeah, because a mortgage isn't a contract, it's a mortgage. It's, yeah. it's way different. Um contract, the seller can do whatever they want, basically. Okay. And so a lot of those contracts uh were basically like, okay, if you miss by a day or if like you had a bad month or if you were sick sure. or whatever and you could you didn't get paid. You lose your deposit, you lose your first month's rent, you lose everything, and you're back to square one. And so there are so many people, and so many families still to this day in Chicago, who are suffering the consequences of those terrible, rotten contracts. I mean, just think about that. You you come up here with nothing. You you finally start to make a little bit of money, and because someone, because you weren't explaining, like, the explanation was not right in front of you of how this works. Right. You just lose everything. Totally. And you have to start over. How many times? (laughs) So many times. And, you know, there's a, there's a great article that I've actually mentioned before uh, in one of our episodes by Ta-Nehisi Coates, who I'm sure a lot of you uh, know about. He's a, a very famous author now in America, sort of at the vanguard of, of, of black thought. Uh, but Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote an article for The Atlantic called The Case for Reparations. And in that, that article, he lays out redlining in Chicago in depth. Yeah. Because it really is an outstretch of slavery in general in America. Sure. And he makes that case very, very well. Um, but in that, in that article, um, he talks about a, a particular guy that I can't remember his name right now. But it's a guy from the South who came to Chicago, got a house on contract. And he talks to, to Coates saying he felt so dumb. He felt so dumb when he made that decision. Sure. And then he had kids and he had a wife and he didn't want anyone else to know how dumb he was. And so he just kept it quiet. He worked his ass off. He did whatever he could do. He drank himself silly. He got addicted to drugs. He wanted, you know, he said, like, thankfully, I'm not a violent person because I can see how I would have hurt a lot of people. Yeah. But he just felt so terrible about life in general, because just like you were saying, he came up here, he expected something better and, and, and good, and he got nothing take it advantage of right yeah and you know from from that article um you know he the the coats talks about north lawndale um which is actually uh, a neighborhood where an organization that i work with right now is doing some work and we're buying up lots in north lawndale we're buying up corners um so that we can sort of uh bring back certain districts in lawndale and hopefully provide affordable housing it's a group called united power for action and justice it's really cool um but in in the article he says that north lawndale is an extreme portrait 
of the trends that ail black Chicago, such as the magnitude of these ailments that it can be said that blacks and whites do not inhabit the same city. The average per capita income of Chicago's white neighborhoods is three times that of black neighborhoods. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. And that's not even just in Chicago. That's also nationwide. So if you think about wealth, median wealth for white families and black families, the median wealth for white families in America is $134,000. So is that like, um, when you when you say wealth, does that mean like savings, assets? Savings and assets. Okay. Basically. Okay. So $134,000 median, right? The median for black families is 11,000. That's insane. Absolutely fucking insane. insane. And so when people out there really wonder, like, why are black people so angry? Why do black lives matter? All lives matter. Motherfucker, that's the reason fucking why. Right. Because it's awful for black people still. Because they're scraping up yes, every single time. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, you know, it's interesting talking about Chicago, like, in a... On a show about horror. Sure. Right? Because I think that Chicago, like as much as we, you know, Chicago is a city that I've lived here for a long time, 15 years. You've been here for 10 years? Uh, now, 10, right? yeah. 10 mm-hmm. years. You know, we've been here for a while and I've lived by Chicago all my life. Chicago is a city that I love to hate and that I hate to love. Sure. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it makes sense. It's hard to live here. Man. It is, yeah. Um, but we love it so fucking much and we work our asses off here. Yeah, I will say, like, I, I've lived in a couple different places. I've lived in um, Michigan, I've yeah. lived in Rhode Island, and I've lived here. Yeah. Uh, we work way harder than any of those other places. Big time. And mm, Chicago, yeah, I, I don't know, I just. It's interesting to talk about horror in Chicago because sure. I think that Chicago is full of ghosts. And not just real ghosts, not just like stories of ghosts, but like there's a this is a city full of people that have dreams mm-hmm. that work really hard, and a lot of those ghosts are just dead fucking dreams. I Oof. don't mean to, I don't mean to be depressing, but it's the truth, man. Yeah, like there's so much death and murder and crime and and struggle and pain in Chicago that you know when when people say that they want to move here, I often tell them, "Are you sure about that? Yeah, like, are you sure?" Number one, come here in the winter, and then we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> not, not in the summer, motherfucker. Because everyone will be dancing in the right. streets in the summer. <laughs> and, then, and then number two, what I want you to remember is if you've never visited here before, I wa- and I want you to come visit. I love this city. I know you do, too. Yeah. We, we love I, this city. I have something to say about this, too. But yeah. come and visit. But I want you to understand that if you're going to be the kind of person who's going to ask me, well, is it safe to go there? I want to say, you know what? Don't come here. Yeah. Because you know what? It's not safe anywhere. And it's not safe anywhere in this city. And I think that's been proven by the mass shootings that happen all yeah. over. So, like, don't come here and don't give me your sort of undertoned racist question of, is it safe to go there? Because there might be black people I've never seen before. Don't do that. And also another thing for people that are uh, coming to visit. Like, so I think that there is a stigma that when people come to visit, they come and visit the Mag Mile. They come and visit the Loop. They come and visit Navy Pier, which definitely go do those things. Like, there's there's like a lot of great hosp- lot of hospitality down there. I mean, and, especially if it's like your first time visiting, yeah. you have to go do but that then, shit, totally. But then just hop on a train and go to one of the neighborhoods because that's yeah. where the people actually live. Like, that's where you're going to get a slice of what Chicago's really like. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, speaking of a slice, like, you're not going to get any good pizza downtown. You're going get good pizza in the neighborhood yeah you're gonna get the pub style pizza in the pub you're gonna get you know good deep dish here and there whatever there's there's so much to do beyond downtown yeah I don't agree. just stick around down there you know our, i was really proud our good friend jamie grayson um was just in town we love we love him so much he was in town for my right about my birthday we had a lot of fun we <laughs> saw hamilton it was a good time um but like 
you know, he's he's the kind of guy when he visits places, he doesn't just stay downtown. Wants he, to go like, see the people. Yeah, like he came yeah. and met us up in Andersonville, where like basically where we live. Yeah, and that's not a short trip, you know, for people <laughs> no. that don't live here. So I was really proud of him. Well, speaking of ghosts, do yeah. we want to talk about some of the uh, more strange and f- wait? Do you mean you don't want to talk about depressing shit all day? <laughs> Should I don't we know. say that for after the show? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Since <laughs> considering we have to live it all the time, but hey, and just but honestly, just one more. Yeah, thing, sure. Though, go ahead. Is you know the, the I, we, I, we barely scrape the surface of that for Chicago. If you ever have any questions on that shit, I love to talk about it. Honestly, shoot me a message. Shoot us a message. I would love to talk about it further with you. And honestly, we could devote a whole episode to Gabrini Green. Girl, exactly. uh, you know, there's the whole story about how when they built the towers, they built the bathroom mirrors that didn't have backs to them. So there was a string of murders. We'll talk about that in Candyman. Yeah, there's a string of actual murders that happened because a guy Helen. could get through the mirrors. Helen. <laughs> Save it. It's always it. you, Andrew. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about the more um, phenomenal part what, of or what's first phenomenon, phenomenal, uh, the strange parts of Chicago. Yeah. Um, so I want to start with the Lincoln with Lincoln Park. Yeah, and a lot of you probably out there, if you visited Chicago or if you live here, you know Lincoln it's, Park, the neighborhood. It's the it's the Chicago Central yeah, Park, yeah, Lincoln Park Zoo. Yeah, and but actually, Lincoln Park stretches pretty long. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, it encompasses the uh, mu- the museum, the Children's Museum, the com- concert. Conservative conservatory. Conservatory. Sorry, <laughs> searching for that word. The conservative conservatory. The conservatory. Uh, we we the, grow. We grow all of our best Republicans there. Uh, yes. The zoo, um, and it also is the main connection to the big beaches yeah. in, in the city. So it's a huge, long park. Consider it kind of Chicago's Central Park if yeah. you're equating it to uh, New York. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think that's a good way to put it because it, in the way that Central Park is long. Yeah. Lincoln Park is as long because it stretches all the way up to Uptown. It yeah. goes all the uh-huh. way up to Montrose, which is crazy. Yeah. No. Oh, and it's and it's a great park. I mean, there's yeah. there's like great trails through it. The best views of the city are probably from Lincoln Park. When you were um, marathon training, did you ever run through the zoo? Oh, absolutely. It? Yeah, it's so like I, I'm not for zoos, but running through the zoo, I gotta mix it up. Is kind of cool. You know? it's, it's it's kind of awesome to like see the lion while you're running. It's just it's neat. Um, but anyway, did you know that uh, before we had all these great park spaces and zoos and museums, that this was actually the city graveyard? What? Yes. So in 1837, the state of Illinois gave Chicago a plot of land, which is now Lincoln Park, uh, for the city cemetery, essentially where you would bury pretty much everybody. Sure. Um, just to equate that, um, in a, 1854, in just one day, 200 people were buried there because of the cholera outbreak. Jesus. So it, it was just the main burial site for like the city of Chicago. But then this guy came in and he started saying, well, this is really close to the water and um, the water line is right here. Maybe not where you want yeah. your bodies. <laughs> and they were like, it, it might be seeping into the water. So I think that we should probably move the graveyards. And everyone was like, well, yeah, it's right in the middle of the city because the city had built around it essentially. Yeah. And so it started the movement of um, the outwards cemeteries so uh, like uh graceland, graceland uh, rose, rose hill. hill those kind of cemeteries yeah, calvary and so a lot of the um more rich elite people were moving the bodies they, yeah. they moved the great the graves they moved the bodies up to those cemeteries well um only 10 people were in charge of doing that so think 10 tens of thousands of bodies and 10 people had that task of moving the bodies. Elmer, you got the first thousand. <laughs> Omer, you got the second thousand. So what do you think happened? 
Um, they ate them. <laughs> How did they? <laughs> that's, get, a, that's, a good, that's a good guess. They, wait, I got it. They ground their bones down for bone meal. So for that for that monkey dust that they throw for, on. Are yes, you afraid of the yes, dark? For monkey <laughs> dust. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's there's no uh, proof that they didn't move all the. Well, there's no. Um, speculation that they didn't move all the bodies but they didn't move all the bodies spoiler alert because um back in 1998 when they excavated some of it for the chicago history museum uh the body parts of more than 81 individuals were found wow oh which by the way folks that that museum is right in lincoln park yeah so they basically they to this day when you are walking around lincoln park in your zoo and seeing those lions and those penguins, there are bodies right underneath your feet. So that's, that's pretty just, terrifying. That is, uh, like, I mean, uh, uh, we love a good cemetery, yeah. right? And we've and Graceland Cemetery and Rose Hill Cemetery are two amazing cemeteries. Um, but you know, you know that you know what you know it it's is. a cemetery. So like going to the park, and I do, th- I have thought about it before. Like it is an odd feeling to know that beneath you is like a mass mass grave, wave, yeah. basically. Like that's just. Because considering it was a city cemetery, yeah. anybody that was not claimed would have also been buried sure, there. Sure, yeah, Potter's Fields. Um, so there are a couple of ghosts that people see throughout the park. Mostly um, there are ghosts that are just wearing like Victorian-style clothing. Me. Yeah, and they just pop up and go away. But there's one specifically, in, one in the zoo, in the women's restroom huh. by the lion uh, what do you call that? The, the lion Kobler, house, the Kobler Lion House. Yeah, the Lion House. Which they're they're actually renovating right now. Oh, maybe yeah. they'll find some more bodies. Hmm. Um, but there's said to be a woman that will show up in the mirror behind huh. people, and do it's been to, reported many times. Do you have to call her name? No, it's not like Candyman. Hmm. <laughs> so she doesn't kill you. No, no. Um, some other ones that I wanted to talk about. Um, have you ever heard of the Italian Bride of Mount Carmel Cemetery? Um, is this uh, like a statue one? No. Okay. Um, this is a woman by the name of Julia. I'm not. I'm not Julia, gonna Julia Gulia. Julia Gulia. <laughs> I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly, but um, Julia Bucola Petta. You did a great job. So that's yeah. like Italian. I knew you were Italian at heart. <laughs> I knew it. I knew he was. Um, so she got sick um, and she died during childbirth. But the weird thing about her is that her is that her mother um, started having these dreams about her. And in all these dreams, Julia kept asking her mother for help. She was like, please help me. I'm not dead. I need you to help me. And so these dreams went on for six years. Jesus. Until the mother finally said, we're going to exhume the body. Like, we have to exhume it. Like, I can't take this anymore. I need to know answers. Pull her up, for God's sake. And so they exhumed her body. And to the amazement of everyone that was around, she had not... Decomposed. decomposed at all so was she beatified she was just and there's no explanation for it she just never decomposed and this was back in um 1921 what the so fuck? it's not like this was like 1800s like this was like you know better than most kind of like way of getting rid of people we got any photos of this shit i'm sure we can find some we need to find the photos of that fucking shit yeah but isn't that crazy that's that and it's creepy too and i know i mean um, i won't decompose but i'm also a living saint. <laughs> what are those called the saints that don't they, they don't decompose well so when when you're going through the process for sainthood one of like the um there are different requirements that you have to meet right yeah and so uh in order to be beatified one of the requirements is that you can't decompose for a certain period of time so your body will just like stay as it is yeah and your body will also like emit like certain scents, okay, and like like all that. There's there's a whole lot to it, but yeah. one of them is it won't. Uh, it will just like lay. Is, is there lay a name stage. for that? 
White Lane and State, maybe? Oh, I thought there was like an actual like name for it. There, there might <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah, whatever. One. It doesn't matter. I'll but... ask Mike, hey, Catholic priest, do you know? <laughs> oh, he doesn't know. Sorry. I don't but know. anyway, I just thought that was really interesting that she was having like these crazy dreams crazy. and like then she opens it up and it's almost like she never decomposed and she's I just mean, there. Imagine that though. You open up your kid's fucking grave after and you're six like, years. Ah, you're not really dead. <laughs> you're not a skeleton. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. Um, you and, still look fat like a chew. And just because you kind of have a little bit more history around this, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about um, the whole house baby. Oh yeah, sure. So um, whole house Whole House is actually an, a, a really amazing thing in Chicago. It's, it's a big part of our history because Jane Addams, uh, who was one of the first social workers in really anywhere, she sort of like created social work as a, as a, as a field, um, but her work was mostly done here in Chicago. Yeah. And Whole House was the center of that. It's actually on the campus of UIC, um, which is interesting to you because that's where um, Helen is from in uh, Candyman. Um, but uh, she did a lot for the poor. She was an amazing person. Uh, there is a story um, that there was a woman that came to her uh, in need of a, a single mother who was pregnant and she was going to have a baby. Um, and she gave birth in the attic of Hull House. To, and I, I'm been, I'm, I seem to remember in my reading that it was to um, the husband was a, a devout atheist. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That, that, is, that, is, that is part of it. And uh, the, the legend is that the baby was born with horns and a tail. <gasps> and it was deformed. Um, and so this legend got around. You know, most likely this is a legend that is meant to um, deride the the um, the reputation of Jane Adams, of course. Yeah, and we should also say that Hull House was really a uh, center for educating new immigrants Big that were too. like coming new yeah. to the city. And and Hull House is still there. You can still visit it. Um, it's it was also the uh, the the sort of the foundation myth for Rosemary's Baby. Um, and, uh, when I was at Hull House many moons ago oh. on a ghost tour with a very famous, uh, ghost hunter, um, whatever they call that, uh, parapsychologist, sure. um, Richard Crow, who's no longer with us anymore. I just want to say I'm really proud of you for bringing that word up. I know, right? <laughs> parapsychologist. I, 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 sometimes my memory surprises me. Um, for these kind of things, right? Um, but Richard Crow did his ghost tours and I went on when I was in high school with my mom, which I was like begging her to take me on for decades. You know what I mean? Um, and when we went, I took a photo in the window, okay, like, through the window. And when we got them developed, there were like little orbs all over Ooh, by the spooky. staircase, which is where like this ghost is supposed to like walk up the stairs all the time. It was honestly, it was spooky as fuck that um, that ghost tour. It was really cool looking back. I, at it I also love it that you had to get your photos developed. <laughs> it was still then. I <laughs> yeah, think, I know. I think I think I had a one ten camera. Too. Sure, remember yeah, those? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is the story of of the legend of the devil baby at, at yeah, at, and at it, it should be said that um, still to this day, people report having a deformed sure. face in the attic window yeah i mean if you're ever in chicago and you're ever on the south side you know or south loop really um go check it out because you, you can you can tour it it's very very cool um it's in a pretty neat area too uic is actually really gorgeous down there mm -hmm. a lot of great architecture um because it also shares space with um with the i can't remember right now whatever it's called the illinois institute of technology iit which is where mies van der Rohe, uh taught 
architecture. So really cool. That's a lot of stuff you just threw at me. I know. As as you know, I am a bit of a tour guide sometimes. Yeah. To for better or for worse. But yeah, it it goes without saying. um, I think you summed it up perfectly. That Chicago for us is a place that we love to hate and hate to love. It's true. It's a place that has always been corrupt. We've had many many mayors and people in charge that have taken money from different areas. Oh yes, they've gone to jail for it. Um, there's uh, it goes without saying, but the state of Illinois has the worst credit in the entire nation. And we also and that's have, because of Chicago. We also have um, two governors in jail and a senator in jail as well. So great. So but, I mean, there's, hey, but there's you know what? But we gave you Barack. We did. So. That's true. Um, yeah, you know it's you know it's it's an interesting place to live. I've 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 met the last three mayors. I met Mayor Daley. Um, actually, I have a, a really weird photo with him. I'll show it to you sometime. You actually, you, you've never seen it. Um, and I met, I've met Ram many times because Ram Emanuel lives very close to where Andrew and I both live. I distinctly remember running in the uh, the Ravenswood 5K and oh, him yeah. just like standing there being like, hey. "Yeah." And I'm, I want to tell you this right now: Ram Emanuel is is a small person um, in height uh, and in uh, just personality. He's an asshole. He's such an <laughs> asshole. And I recently met Mayor Lightfoot, our new mayor, uh, who is our first uh, African-American woman and also our first LGBT mayor, which is pretty incredible. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. You know, I've got a lot of um, substantive differences with her, but I will never like not under I will never not celebrate sure. those things. It's an incredible thing I have for hope. City. Sure. Um, and I will also tell you, Mayor Lightfoot is the smallest person I've ever been around in my it's life. So funny. Uh, some of you might, some of you that are listening know my friend Kathy, who was small. Kathy's very tiny, little Filipina. Um, Mayor Lightfoot is smaller than Kathy. Wow. She is so tiny. It was weird having a meeting with her, but I did. All right. I think that will do it for our Chicago horror. Now we're going to go eat um, a full deep dish pizza. We're going to drink a bunch <laughs> of old style, have two Chicago dogs. Eat some Spumoni. Get some uh, Garrett's popcorn. Get some Garrett's popcorn, too. Um, what else do we do in Chicago? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking like, live. We just, we just like drink. <laughs> yeah. That's our, that, that's our sport here, drinking. Anyways, that's our horror in real life segment. Um, we're going to be coming at you next with some What You Been Watching, Bitch. Is that next? What You Been Watching, Bitch. What you, that's what we're doing next. What You Been Watching, A Bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch. If this is your first episode, this is literally where we just talk about what we've been watching. Bitch. <laughs> so, um, why don't I go ahead and start? Yeah, sure, Does that, work? Does that work for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, both of my main features are uh, in, in the movie theater watches, because yes. I've actually made it to the theater quite a bit this summer. I was oh. actually really proud of myself. Well, la-dee-da. <laughs> um, oh, R.I.P. Movie Pass. Goodbye. I know. Bye forever. Although, did you see, before you jump into those, did you see what Music Box is doing? I did, yeah. So, folks, you know about our deep, deep love for the Music Box Theater in Chicago. Still not a still not a sponsor. But, but. they're going to be a sponsor very soon. <laughs> Cody, if you're listening, do you hear that? Um, and uh, they are, if you bring your Movie Pass credit card thing. I still have mine. I still got mine. Um, if you bring it there, they'll give you a large popcorn. Which I'm going to cash that shit in. Without a doubt. I, I can't wait. I love going to Music Box. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Um, so the first one is uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Ooh, 
Did you happen to catch this one or no? Not yet. Okay. Well, it's um, is based... It still, is it still in the theater? Uh, it might be out by yeah, now. Okay. I'm not sure. It's early August, I think, so you might be out of luck at this point. But um, it's uh, based on the uh, three-book trilogy uh, that we had as kids that was called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, are you familiar with the books? Oh, my God, okay. yes. Okay. Without a doubt. Um, so I, I actually still have them. They're still on my bookshelf right over They're there. They're right behind me right now. And they were most famous for their crazy illustration style and like how macabre they were. Uh, and they were like part of like the band books and um, they made a movie out of, uh, out of these books. But what they did was they kind of crafted a story around the, around the stories. So you get some of your favorite stories, but there's an overarching story kind of around sure. it. Yeah. Um, I will say um, if you're looking for hardcore horror, it's probably not for you. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for like, and I don't know why they didn't release creepy. This. If you're, Okay, so just this isn't a spoiler, but the whole thing takes place around Halloween. So Great, I don't, know, I love that. I don't know why they didn't release it around Halloween. But. <sighs> that is well, maybe, maybe they'll do like a digital release around maybe, then. Yeah, like, that, that makes um, that, make, that makes sense. I think of. it's a, I think it's a great like starter horror film. Yeah, like for like people that maybe like don't love horror movies. Or you know what else is well, and I haven't seen it yet, but let me ask you this: Is it good for kids? It might be a little too scary for kids. See, so I mean, like maybe because like those were we read those when we were kids. Yeah, right. So like it's funny talking about this because my brother is uh, my brother Michael. Hi, Michael. We love you. Um, we, he, he, he's thinking about like different films to introduce um, sure. his daughter, my niece hope to right now. Cause sure. she, she loves stranger things like to no end. So like, he's going like kind of slow, but I, I mean, that's, it, that's interesting to hear. It's, it's, be- and it's not because the, um, the stuff in it is super scary, but the creature work. Yeah. So it's Guillermo del Toro has his hand in it. Pan's so it's, Labyrinth, yeah, it's got a stuff. lot. I mean, it's all practical, yeah. so, except for some, there's a couple CGI parts, but um, most of it is practical effects. And those creatures are very creepy. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's one woman that's just kind of like a big woman and she wants to give you a hug. Oh my God. And it's, it's, it's very creepy. Does she got big boobs then? <laughs> she got big boobs. She got big boobs. Does she got big boobs. <laughs> um, but um, I'd say overall, I think, I think it was a fun movie. Okay. Um, it's definitely horror light. Um, but you're also going to get spiders crawling out of a girl's face. So. <laughs> I'm I am anxious to see it. I am much less anxious to see this, the uh, the documentary, which I know has been out already. Yeah. but I I have no interest. In I've seeing heard that. I've heard bad things yeah, about it, does, it, but it, it looks not good. Um, but yeah, I'd say definitely when it comes around for like uh, rental, give it a watch because I think it's definitely worth yeah. watching. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and hopefully it will be out around Halloween because I would love to watch it around that. Yeah, that, that'd that be really be cool. Cool. Um, all right, what's your first one? Um, so I'm gonna start with uh i'll start with this one so i um i I went on a date uh at music box actually um which also turned 90 years old this year it's a beautiful old place they're selling some great pins right now which is is really cool i I have to buy them both um i went on a date um really nice guy but that's a whole other story um and we saw a documentary that i suggested um and it was it, it was interesting what is it called it's called aquarella Oh, it sounds like a sounds like a a, a drag a drag queen. queen. I know, I know that that's kind of why I also I also picked it. Um, it's a documentary about water, um, and it is oh. all about water. I mean, it is it is an hour and a half of nonstop water. Is there a narration? 
there is no narration. This this documentary team traveled the world, and and honestly, the photography is astounding. It's absolutely incredible. Sounds like something nice to go to sleep to. Um, not really. No, because it's it's it, if you had to narrow it down, like I mean, it's about water broadly, but it's it's specifically about the destructive power of water. Oh, interesting. Um, and I and I I think in some way it has like some sort of like narrative on climate change too. Probably, I'm sure. Um, but like they, you know, they go to um, the Angel Falls in, in Venezuela. They go to Iceland. They go to just all these beautiful, wonderful, incredible places. Um, and they also go to like Puerto Rico during Maria. They go to um, Florida during uh, one of the storms. I mean, incredible stuff, especially during hurricanes. Yeah. Like you're you're watching it, wondering how the fuck they are there and not dead. Yeah, because it's insane. So. Um, it's. I like boring stuff. I'm into that, as you know. Um, this is a lot. It's a lot of water. Like by the end of it, I literally told my date, like I actually don't want to drink water for like <laughs> three days. I just want to like drink wine, and that's it. Um, well, that's but, not a change. <laughs> shut up. Um, but I would say if you if you have a chance to watch Aquarella on like on demand or whatever on a random night, I'd say do it. It's unlike okay. anything you've ever seen before, and it's um, beautiful photography. Cool. Truly. I might. I might. You're I, not going. I'm to. thrown off by the no narration thing. There, there's no narration. <laughs> Just <laughs> do you like me? You're not going. To. Yeah. I love you, but you're not going. To. Uh, okay. So my second one is also, like I said, another theater watch. Uh, yeah. I went and saw Ready or Not. Still haven't seen it. I want to so bad. Oh my god. I'll, I'll probably see it on on demand. I'm and listen. I'm not going to spoil anything. Y- you got to see it. It it's it's so fun. It's so. That's what everyone's saying. Over the top, crazy. I mean, you have the triumphant return of Annie McDowell to the big screen. What else oh, do you God. need? I love <laughs> Annie McDowell. I love her non-acting acting. <laughs> um, yes. No, I think it, it, it's it's really fun. Um, it's it's actually surprisingly more gory than I expected. Huh. Um, but the, the main story is that a woman is marrying into a very wealthy family. What she doesn't know is that this family has a tradition that on their wedding night to welcome a new person into the family, they have to play a game. And um, the game can range from checkers to any, pretty much anything. Huh. Um, and there's only one card you don't want to get. And that card is hide and seek. And she gets that card. And that's all I'm going to say. Oh, my God. Jesus. So it's, it's, it's really good. I like it quite not. a bit. Here I come. If, if any of the ones that I would want to give like the strongest endorsement to, I would definitely give it to Ready or Not. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So what's your second one? Um, my second one is uh, Candyman 2. I watched oh, it today. Farewell to the flesh. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, we're talking about Candyman 1, but um, I, I haven't seen either in, in, in quite a while. Um, and I remembered really, really loving part two. Um, and you know what? I think it still holds up. Is part two the one in uh, Louisiana? New, New Orleans. Okay. Yeah, okay. They're in New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Because I know there's three. Um, it opens up with the same professor person that is also in uh, part one. He, he has the British accent. He's at okay. dinner in part one. And this one, he Candyman part two opens up with a lecture on on Candyman in New Orleans, like himself, exactly, and it's like it's like in like a bar, and like there's like people like waiting to like get get their book signed from uh, Philip Purcell is the name of his okay. character, um, and then he dies in the bathroom because he called Candyman in the mirror of the book, um. Um, and it, you know what? It was fun to watch again. I I think um, 
I think I don't know. I think Candyman Two gets a bad rap, and I don't. Understand I haven't why. seen it in forever. I can't um, even tell you because it is. It's legitimately really well done. I think that they did a great job of reframing the Candyman story while retaining all the same aspects from part one. Sure. Because all that they did was basically say, okay, the myth travels. So like, it's not that Daniel Robitaille is in, was, was always in Chicago, which is the 92 version. The 97 version, this one, um, is that, look, he was born in New Orleans to slaves. Um, and all the same stuff is the same. But different candy mans All appear. the same stuff is the same. <laughs> it's farm to table. It goes from the farm to, <laughs> to the, the table. table. Um, but yeah, so like it's, it, the myth appears in different cities, and then it is based in that city. Okay. So it's, it's really, I think, very compelling. Um, I think it's a great follow-on to part one. I have not seen part three ever. Did to you? Be, to be totally it's honest. Day, I, Day of the Dead. To be totally honest, I have no idea if I've seen it or not. I, I'd have to like start it and be like, oh, I've seen this, or yeah. no, I haven't. I've, and I don't really remember hearing anything else about no. it. Kind of in the same way that I've never seen Story of Echoes part two with Rob Lowe. Oh, I have, unfortunately. Uh, we we'll can t- talk, we'll about, talk about that later. That later. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my other watch. Um, and and that I would also recommend. And, and I, think it's, I think it's like, why it, I would recommend it too. Why? Because you can't find <laughs> Candyman Part 1 literally anywhere. Let's talk about that in the next segment. But Candyman 2 readily accessible. It's, um, it's everywhere. A, it's free right now on Amazon Prime, on Tubi, on this, on that, so go for it. Go, go farewell to the flesh, people. So, and that's also my last one. Okay. Before the one that we both have. Sure. I just have one that I wanted to um, plug. Talk, I wanted to talk to you about because I kind of missed it and yeah, yeah, yeah. I just went back and watched it. I have it. seen it, yeah. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about Russian Doll. Sure. The yeah. Netflix original yeah. series. Natasha uh, Leon. Oh my gosh. I totally... Um, so this was fresh off of me seeing Happy Death Day to you. Sure. And I was like, I've seen this. Like, she dies. We get it. Like, she starts over. We get it. Like, and I thought it was just kind of a rip on that, but it's totally different. Yeah. And um, it's actually... like. There are a couple parts where they they um, kind of ham it up a little bit. Like there's a there's one. This is this is like minor 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 spoilers. Uh, there's one death where she just like freezes to death because yeah, she right. sleeps outside, right. and I'm like, mm, okay, okay, whatever. But they, they were they were bored in the writing. Yeah, room. but the overall story and these episodes they're like 25 minutes. Yeah, so you can get through. I I literally watched the entire season in one day. Yeah, right. Like right, it, right. it did not take long. Yeah. Um, because what happened is I started one episode and got sucked in because I was like so invested right yeah, away. Yeah. Um, it takes some interesting twists and turns i have no idea what they're going to do for season two because it has been renewed um but yeah i, th- I think I need, I need to watch it again i started watching it with that awful steven that i was dating for a minute oh. um god he was so boring <laughs> um i hope i hope he's listening because if you are honestly you were fucking boring um especially the second time that i dated you um anyways it's kind of left a bad taste yeah mouth. i get it you know what yeah. I mean? like, like, you, like stuff gets like tainted. context around it yeah, yeah so i i honestly need to watch it again because i i did like what i watched but i just need to watch it it's just so interesting to watch it clean it's just so interesting to me for and for people that have seen it it has a definitive ending like it definitely has an ending and i'm just like ooh, what are they gonna do because it's the same cast and everything so i'm just i'm interested to see what they're gonna do with season two but if you have not watched russian doll i'd highly recommend it are you ready to talk about the one we both watched yes let's just call it what it is call me by your name pennywise It is um, it chapter two. Let's yeah, talk about it. And uh, just no, and of course, no this is spoiler free. Remember, folks, in our horror in media section that we're about to get to, that's full of spoilers. Yeah, so that's up to you. In our um, what you been, been watching, watching, bitch, it is never spoiler in this. So that's just where I'm going to leave it. And I will say we will talk about a little bit about the opening scene. Um, so, it, but it's not a spoiler. 
it's not a spoiler, but we're going to talk about it. I, I think, so. yeah, because and it's not a spoiler because there so many people have already been talking. I think about it's just it. it's important to discuss just based on where we're coming from yeah. as, as this podcast. Yeah, and um, can I just start off by saying also, like, and you know me, and people on this show know me by now. Sure, I am a extremely progressive person. I'm socialist. I have a lot of very left leanings. One thing that I'm really not into is trigger warnings. Yeah. Not into it at all. It's, it is what it is. I, I, mean, well, I mean, but that's just the thing is, what is it? Because I, I honestly don't even understand the, the need. And that's what the controversy around that first scene is. It's like, well, there's no trigger warning for it. Or it shouldn't be in the movie. Or it's too whatever. And, you know, listen, if you don't know what the scene is yet, it's talked about enough now that I don't feel bad telling you. And I won't even tell you that much. But it's a scene of, uh, you know, pretty horrific violence. Mm -hmm. It is um, specifically against LGBT people. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes place, you know, around Derry. That's not giving away too much either. Um, And it's it's hard to watch. Yeah. I I, I cried watching it. Um, It's difficult to watch. And the thing about it is like, look... If you think that's hard to watch, baby, just try living our lives. Right. Just come over here and try try doing that for us. That's kind of where I come from, too. I was like, actually, I think this is really good to have in here Completely to, agree. to remind people that, like, yeah, this still happens right. in, in small-town America. Like, do you know how many black trans women have been killed this year alone? Right. Or how many were killed the last year or the year before? There are dozens killed already this year alone. And in the past, like, five years, it's just it just keeps going up, 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 up. I actually and, thought it was... I thought it was nice to see representation yeah. in such a big movie. I, I totally agree with you. So, and it was also done well. Yeah. Because it was authentic. It was it was authentically done. I could see that happening with friends that I know. Yeah. The only thing that I um if I if I had to make any like corrections to that to that part of the movie, I would almost want the villains in that part later on to become one of Pennywise's victims. I could see that, yeah. Um just yeah. to like get like a little bit of a yeah, yeah moment. No, sure, sure, um, sure. But yeah. it didn't have, it didn't like ruin anything no, for me. And, and I think it was uh, like like you've already said, I think it was good for people to see and you should see this sort of thing and you should understand that this is what is still happening today in America and all over the place. Yeah, it's easy to sit it's easy to sit in your box and yeah. pretend that none of this is happening, but it is. And, and like and like I said on Twitter earlier and like we espouse on the show all the time, horror is not just an escape. Horror is a mirror to what's going on in our lives and in our world. And it's up to you to do something with that. Yeah. So get to work. If that if that really bothers you that much, you know what you can do? Go volunteer for your LGBT youth center. There's one. Donate to Freedom for All Americans. Donate to the National Center for Transgender Equality. I could go on and on and on. Yeah. If that bothered you that much, get out from behind your phone and from behind your computer Go donate, go volunteer, go do something instead of talking about trigger warnings. Boring. I'm sorry. Sure. That's just how I feel. Um, what did you think of overall about the movie? Uh, overall about the movie, I was I was um I wasn't like rah-rah about it, sure. but I was pleased. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's a classic Stephen King story. You know, I I grew up with the miniseries on TV, um, which I which I loved, and you know, Tim Curry, I absolutely love it. It's like a, a thing from my childhood, right? Um, I think that in this new iteration, they did a great job of um, finishing it out in a big way. Sure. Like, you know, lots of cool effects, lots of scary little jump things that happen and this and that, whatever. There are some things that, like, you know, did I wasn't, like, jazzed about. I thought, sure. like, you know, this this also is not giving anything away either. But, like, there are two people, I wouldn't say their names, who just sort of, like, joke over and over and over and over again in the movie. 
that drove me nuts, okay. to be honest. But other than that, I was I was pretty cool with it. I mean, you've read the book, so uh-huh. I'm I'm interested more in hearing about like what you think about how they adapted that sure. part of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, this is what I'll say is that you can't really make a lot of um tan tans, tangential like Ta- jumps tangential. from like from the book to this movie because yeah. the way they edited it. So the way they edited it is the first movie is all, supposed to be all about the kids and the second movie is supposed to be all about the adults. Uh, in the book it jumps back and forth. It's all uh, it's all um okay. it's all flashbacks. Yeah. Like that's literally the whole entire book is flashbacks. But it, but it's but it's it's not just like one. It's it's all over exactly. each chapter. Yeah. Okay. So um it's hard to like make those kind of like I don't know. It's hard to compare to the book is what I'll say. Sure. Fair um, enough. I overall, I, I liked it. I think they did a little bit of a better job in the first movie. Um, the, the things that I didn't like about this one is I think they spent too much time with the kids in this half. Yeah. Um, because this is supposed to be about it bringing the, the adults back and he has to, and he has to re scare them so that he can feed off of their fear. Um, and they do a lot of flashbacks and not every adult kind of gets that like fear moment. You know, that's a, it's an interesting point that you bring up because I do suppose that like the adults themselves, there's maybe a layer for each of them right. that I feel like I'm missing. Yeah, like it just totally. Did, it didn't go deep enough where I felt like well, oh. it went to them as kids. Yeah, and like I mean, you, you see as as you know before things really start going, like where they're coming from now as adults. Sure, and like some of it is pretty horrific, right? But I don't really see that again. It's, later. There's not a lot of depth. You, yeah, there's not a lot yeah. of depth, and maybe if the kids weren't there it would have had a chance to be deeper. I totally agree. Um, the, the more time I spend away from it, the more I'm kind of like, sure, I, I liked it for what it was. Is it the best? No. Well, let me ask you this, because because you've read the book, and not just looking at part one or part two, sure. as a whole, what do you think? I would love to watch them back to back and then give you that answer. Yeah, because I haven't, I haven't seen part one in a while. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Um, we should do that. There, there, there's a couple storylines that are pulled pulled directly out of the book that they didn't mm. include that kind of if you if you go too deep into it it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. uh, specifically around a specific love triangle yeah um but i won't get too far into it but that mm. i felt was lacking mm. um mm. but um overall i still I, I'll, I'll tell you one thing whoever casted that movie did a fucking amazing job those kids look exactly like the other people especially um is it is it ben who's the former, like, kind of, like, chunkier kid who then becomes, like, the hot adult. Yeah. Like, they look like he was that person. If, if you look at their mouths, especially, mm-hmm. it's the same And their nose, mouth. too. It's, it, it's... It's incredible. It's, it's almost like, are, are they in the same I family? Know. Or, I know. And, like, the Eddie and the grown Eddie? I know. What? Like, I know. The Richie, maybe, whatever... Um, but Bev, like, even seriously, like that is a lot going on there. I, I thought it would, the 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 casting was a plus. Yeah, um, movie I'd probably give like a I don't know like a B minus. Yeah, it's kind of just like in the middle B, for me. I B, guess B minus. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like you said, I like part one a lot better. I was I was more genuinely scared in part one. Well, part one had kind of more of a creepiness to yeah. it. This one was more like jump scary and like Junky, in your face and yeah. like blah. Uh, you but know I, I, mean? I didn't walk out of the I didn't I didn't walk out of there being like Ugh, Yeah, me neither. You know. And I kind of missed that. But you know, overall I'm still glad that it happened. 
But and I'm still out. like happy that it exists, yeah. you know, and then we get to see it again. And so. like, if you haven't seen it, like you should, you should go see it. For like, sure. Like go see it in the theater. Cause it's a big movie and it's a good theater movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I mean, just big stuff happens that you're going to want to see on a big screen. You know, I had a really, uh, just one more thing and then we yeah. can close it out. But, um, I had an interesting, uh, movie going experience because where'd you guys see it? We saw it at the Davis. What? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and, um, so there, there's a very famous trailer out there of Bev and yeah. her scene where she goes, into our old apartment yeah and i think because my father was in the circus (laughs) um i think because that was in the preview people had like they're like oh i already know what's gonna happen like people were kind of like laughing during that part i I wasn't laughing i was honestly the uh well i can't we we can't talk it's fine it's fine i I was gonna go into it but then i was like "Uh, it just can't it, it, it ruined a little bit of the unsettlingness of yeah, that scene that. because yeah. actually when I saw that when I saw that scene in the preview the first time I was like oh shit we my are father in. <laughs> was in the circus we are in for a treat oh, with this movie oh um, but yeah overall sure yeah but well that's yeah. it shit <laughs> all right it. so uh, we will shut it down and we will come right back with some Candyman action Candyman. Community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Where did I get it ain't safe around here. I don't scare too easy. Don't know about Ruthie Jane. They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now she is about to discover. Helen? Mystery. I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all, come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for our horror and media section. And today we are talking about two films that also take place in Chicago. Helen. We will be talking about... What was that voice? Helen. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we will be talking about uh, Candyman and Stir of Echoes. And we are starting, because we always try to go in chronological order, uh, we are starting with Candyman. Maddie, why don't you give me a quick synopsis and some of the notable cast of Candyman? I will. Um, first off, Candyman is from 1992. I was 10 fucking years old. And I remember watching this with uh, my friend Kevin and being terrified. Okay, so here's the synopsis of what happens. Helen Lyle, played by Virginia Madsen, is a student who decides to write a thesis about local legends and myths. She's a grad student at UIC, the University of Illinois at Chicago. She visits a part of the town, which is uh, Cabrini Green, where she learns about the legend of Candyman, a hook-handed man who appears when you say his name five times in a mirror. Of course, Helen doesn't believe the legend, but the people of Cabrini Green warn her of the danger. 
when she ignores their warnings and begins her investigation in the places that he is rumored to appear, a series of horrible murders begin. Could the legend be true, or is it all a figment of Helen's psychosis? Dun, dun, dun. Great film, and it has a, a truly an amazing cast, um, with Virginia Madsen alone, for God's sakes. Vanessa Williams is in this. Tony Todd. Um, and also, the guy that I was talking about earlier... Who was the? Uh, it's not in here now. Um, but he, the um, the same guy that, that that's the professor in part two is also in this one. Sure. Too. Um, yeah, I mean Ted like, Raimi, Ted yeah, and Ted Raimi for God's sake! Like it's it's a it's a really incredible movie um, made for a, you know a, a shoestring six six million bucks brought in you know twenty five million gross USA twenty five again uh, worldwide gross. So there's a lot. That's a lot of money for 1992. Yeah, it's it's huge, and the movie is genuinely terrifying. I mean, really think about horror movies. Then mm-hmm. this was something entirely different. I think it. I mean, it's no it's no surprise because Clive Barker wrote it, right? Mm-hmm. And directed by Bernard Rose, we right, should say. Right. But like, it's no surprise that like one of the most different horror films, like Hellraiser. And then coming right after was something like Candyman. Yeah, totally different um, coming out of the 80s slasher. Because, totally. Because it is, I don't know if I would technically classify Candyman as a slasher, but it, it has like those trappings. I have, um, you know, I haven't really thought about that. I that's think it's a, like a psychological question. psychological slasher. Yeah, Does that make sure. sense? Um, because there's not like a lot of stalk and kill, but there's a lot of killing of people by a person or a thing. So, I, yeah, I guess I don't know if I would call it Supernatural slasher I thriller. Don't know. It, it, it's hard, <laughs> I, you know, I think that's what maybe what makes the film so great. It's sort of like Hellraiser, right? Yeah. How do you classify that motherfucker? Yeah. It's just, it what at the heart of it is really just terror. It's even oh, I can classify it. A guy with no skin wants you to kill and give him blood. <laughs> I mean, right, sure. But like, it's even sort of like beyond like horror. It actually is terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Because you you like when I watched this last night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I went into the bathroom right after to like you know brush my teeth and take out my contacts. And for a minute, like, you know, when you put your, your mouth down to spit and you come back up. You're like, oh, don't be behind and, me. And I really did think like, oh, oh, God, is he here? Oh. Yeah, God. I have a funny a funny history with this movie. Really? Because, um, so, like I've mentioned before, we used to have nights where we would go to the video store and we'd get seven movies for $7. Yeah, and right. we would each get to pick one movie. And I, I one time picked Candyman because I was like... I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I can do this. Like, no big deal. And we watched this, and I'm telling you... So, the the house that we lived in when I saw this movie, you had to walk across the bathroom to turn on the light switch, and... And you couldn't do it. And there was a mirror. And and I, I... I couldn't do it. Like I would like yeah. run into the bathroom and turn on the lights. And it, this movie really definitely terrified me when I first saw it, when I was, I don't know, 10, 10, 12 years old. I mean, it's terrifying. And it, it also deals with, you know, real issues of race mm-hmm. and of class and gender. Um, and also of, like um, mental, like m- mental, uh, sure. mental illness. Yeah. Sure. Like there's a lot of that in this uh, and underlying because sure. you don't, at the end of the day, you can you can either say there was a Candyman or there wasn't, depending on how you kind of interpret the it, movie. In the same way that at the end you can say there was a Helen at the end or there wasn't a Helen. Right. It's, it's you you don't know right, and so it's it's a, a movie full of mystery, 
Um, and you know the 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 videos of uh, of Helen when she's tied down to the bed in the in the mental institution, yeah. um, and she's you know fighting with nothing. While we know that Candyman is actually floating there. right above her. <laughs> um, are, you know, really, I think they really speak to that. You know, I th- I think you know Candyman Part Two, which we don't have to delve into because we're not really talking about it but um they they go a little bit deeper with that because when somebody gets killed they do show in that film somebody being killed on video that one of the cops watches and she's like oh my god it is Candyman because he's okay. not because he's not there yeah and so it's it's interesting i, I think you know that this first movie does a better job of leaving that mystery open of okay well is she crazy or is she, is this all a figment of, of her imagination or not did she get too far into her own research that sure. it then took over her psychosis i guess the only thing though is that helen at the end when her terrible rotten cheating husband who's just a dick um is killed by helen because what you know throughout the whole thing helen goes through all the shit she of course uh is is dead in the fire we'll talk more about that yeah. in a minute but at the end her husband says helen five times in the mirror and then she comes and kills him fine so, you Gr- know great right you know it's, <laughs> i'm it's, glad about it <laughs> yeah it's oh i was i was ecstatic about it um yeah so much to unpack here where do you want to start um well let's start with the beginning okay. um let's where we start have at the start <laughs> well we have um the 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 dramatic scene of the girl kind of giving you the exposition of who is Candyman, what is the legend all because that because helen is a student of folklore mm-hmm. at uic and we get the we get the great cameo from ted Raimi where mm-hmm. he is like macking on this chick yes. and all she wants to talk about is Candyman all day <laughs> and then she she goes and does the legend and there's this scene that it, it always has stuck with me forever is where that blood just comes pouring through the ceiling yeah. and he goes running out of the house yeah. and oh, it just creeps me out so much yeah. but um yeah and i think what this movie does really great is i love the relationship between bernadette and helen yeah. i think they do a really good job with that and you're devastated when bernadette is killed when bernadette dies it's it's legitimately sad you're like bernadette don't come in like for Seriously, real like, leave the flowers away. the door girl she's <laughs> sick leave her alone um but yeah um i'm trying to think like where where like specific things i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. we should obviously talk about um cabrini green we talked about that in our sure. in real life this was actually a lot of the interior um and staircase and a lot of the stuff was actually filmed at cabrini green it was um so much so that they actually had an agreement with the local gang there yeah. um, that they they were given permission to film there from the gang um, but in at the end there was a sniper that shot a hole in one of their production vans nobody was injured <laughs> thankfully kind of but that's just to show you the kind of level of violence that was happening there at sure. this time uh, and the level of poverty is very well um uh, is very well constructed in the film with the uh, the woman that has the dog and the baby. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't, I'm blanking on her name right now. Was it Anne Marie? Is that right? I think so. Um, and uh, the, she goes to her because Helen wants to know more about the, the legend from the actual people that live there. Uh, and she goes and she meets with this woman who's like the only person that will really talk to her about yeah. it. Um, and then... Candyman goes after her. Yeah, uh, this goes into one of my favorite scenes because you learn about this horrible story where this guy went into the bathroom and got murdered, yeah. and then she goes to that bathroom because she wants to like learn more about it. And there's just like shit everywhere. There's literally shit on the walls. <laughs> I know, and it's it's where you first see sweets to the sweet. Yeah, uh, and you see it written in shit on the wall, which is actually from Shakespeare. Did you know that? Uh, and it's in what play? I don't remember. I just know that it's to Shakespeare. Oh, I forget which. 
one though. Um, and there's a scene where um, this guy comes in after she has entered the bathroom, and he's like, "Heard you've been looking for Candyman, bitch." With and he has a hook in his hand. Yeah. He's not. He spoiler alert. He's not. <laughs> he's not Candyman. actually Candyman. Hello. Um, but she gets really beat up in that moment, and I think that that's like a true um, testament to a, a time and an era where black people were being very, um, what's the right word? They were being constrained to this area, so they felt protective over it. Of course, without a doubt. And so this white person coming in being like, I want to learn about your legends. Of course. (laughs) They were like, no, bitch, you got to go. And also because they they couldn't trust anybody. Right. In in a way, there's a lot of people that they still can trust. And also, I I think there was definitely a fear of them being exploited. Without a doubt. By by journalism. Because also, like, look, if you give people, especially from like a socialist perspective, if you take away people's economy, so and what I mean by that is if you put them in a place where there are no jobs, what do you think they're going to do to make money, right. to take care of people? They're going to turn to black market activities like selling drugs, like doing whatever. And to a certain extent, you can't blame them. And you also like morally can't say that it's even wrong. And so like for, um, for a lot of black people in the projects... Like, yeah, seeing white people come in that they thought could be undercover cops was right. a very big deal, for yeah. sure. Um, and so, in the course of the movie, um, Virginia Madsen's character, Helen, uh, she decides, this is all just a bunch of hocus-pocus. This is all just a bunch of hocus-pocus. And her and Bernadette say, Candyman in the Mirror. Oh, no, she's alone. She's they alone, they, they yeah. do it they do it together like to like four. And yeah. they're like, oh, kid, chicken out, you know, that kind of a thing. And then she kind of comes back and says it five times. Yeah. Um, and the fifth time. And the fifth time's the charm, baby, because yeah. Candyman is now part of her and he's yeah, following he her. He does not care about a time delay. Right. If you say it five times cumulatively, <laughs> that's like, what he's looking we're for. We're already going to be haunted yeah. because of this so, podcast. Yeah. So, so congratulations. We, we've everybody. already said it like a, like a dozen <laughs> times. So I, but not in a mirror, though. True. We have no mirrors in this Let room. Let me ask you this right now. If we had a mirror, would you say Candyman I don't want times? to. No, 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 this... no. No, I'm asking you that. If I had a mirror right now, do you think you, do you, think you could do it? I mean, I could, but I don't want to. <laughs> so you wouldn't do it? No. Just, I'm, I'm very superstitious, that it's superstitious in that same way with Bloody Mary, yeah, like that I'm, kind of a thing. I'm just, honestly, I don't want to do it. I'm the same way. I don't want to do it. I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> Call I, me a chicken. I, I don't really care. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Um, uh, the, one of the main, one of the first encounters that Helen has with Candyman, uh, famously played by Tony Todd, uh, is in the parking garage. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that scene always... And I guess I guess I heard in my research that she was actually being hypnotized during this movie. Like they were using hypnotize, which will lead us right into Stir of Echoes. Holy shit! And, I did not know that. And she got so freaked out by it at some point that she basically told the production, "Like you need to, I can't do the the hypnotizing thing anymore. Like you need to cancel it. Wow. You need to like cancel it." Oh out. my god! Um, and you can kind of tell in that moment where she's kind of like fixated on Candyman and she can't move and she's kind of just like his yeah. victim. And I think there's something to that his hypnotization of her like and kind of it almost feels like there there's this line in the movie that you're trying to ride where is it is it Candyman doing the killing or is Candyman embodying Helen and yeah. she's doing the, can- the killing? Sure, and you sure. never quite get your answer, but yeah. I think that that's kind of the, the main thing in the movie. But you follow a series of events where a, Helen is essentially set up to make either look crazy 
or a murderer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, her doctor is killed and she's the only other person in the room. So who else could have done it? It had to have been her. So she kind of gets blamed for yeah, that. It's, it's like every murder. Yeah. She's the one that was there. She just, she falls head over heels into a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and in the midst finds out that her uh, boyfriend is cheating on her with one of his grad students. So yay for Trevor. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty sad to watch. Um, some of the other parts that I, I really, I really love are um, all the parts where she like is going through kind of the back end of the projects yeah. where she like has to go through that that mouth oh yeah like that the, that whole thing i think is really well done and it's like so like so well designed mm-hmm. so well shot the only parts of the movie that i um that it's not that i don't like them it just kind of it drags a little bit for yeah. me is towards the end like where they're dancing together yeah, sure, and like sure. the bees and like all that I, stuff. I think in 92 that probably worked better yeah and um speaking of bees yeah did you know that these bees were specifically bred for this movie i did not know that. and they were only bred for 12 they were only 12 hours old so <gasps> that they were old enough to look like adult bees, but they weren't old enough to where their stingers were like Being very, angry. like very like sharp. That is so interesting to learn. And over the course of the trilogy, um, Tony Todd was actually stung twenty three times. That's that's also not a surprise. And do you know what he got for each sting? What a thousand dollars. Shut up. Every time he got stung, he got a thousand dollars. So he put that in his contract. Yeah. You know what? Good for you, Tony Todd. By the way, come on our show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, another thing that I liked about the film is you know we learned that you know the Candyman. Daniel Robitaille is the son of slaves and you learn about his his terrible story of what happened which is horrific falling in love with a white lady who he was painting and having his his hand uh, sawed off with a rusty blade Ugh, um, and you know shoved a hook and then honey poured all over him and then attacked by bees like can you imagine just somebody shoving a hook into your bloody yeah, stump I 100% cannot imagine <laughs> any of that it's terrible um, and I, what I love about the way that Candyman Part 1 does it is that you never see it. It's very Greek in that way, right? Yeah, it's, sure. It's, it's a very, like, it's, and in fact, really, kind of, the the whole piece is sort of Greek in its affect. Um, Greek, Greek, Greek theater, I mean. Um, and you don't see any of the slavery, but you hear it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's sound effects. Yeah, there's, like, background yeah, like sound of, effects. Of, like, yeah. a mob. Yeah. Of, like, you know, of screaming, of bees, of this, of that. And it's it's almost more horrifying because then you have to imagine it yourself. Yeah. Part two does not do that. <laughs> Part two does show you like the actual scenes of all of that happening. And to their credit, they do it well. Okay. Um, but that was also later on in the nineties. I wish they would have kept it the way that it was because um, it, it's, it's harder I to imagine. It's harder to imagine. Yeah, I think it's scarier when you imagine it. Um, some other thing, some other things that I found were that um, the effects crew actually found a blacksmith to make. Um, his his uh, hook that makes sense. Um, but here's the thing: when he found out that Clive Barker was the person behind it, he wouldn't give it to him <gasps> because he was a devout Christian and thought that oh shut Clive up. Barker was like the Antichrist. Is this true? It's very true. Oh my! So they had God. to go get another one made from someone else. That is so stupid. Yeah. Um. And then um. Speaking of other ways that this could have happened, um. If Virginia Madsen was not available, they were going to hire so, none other than Sandy B herself. I Sandra did, Bullock. I did see that, and honestly, if that had been Sandra Bullock, this would not have worked, in my opinion. I agree. Um. But, as much as I love Sandra Bullock, I've said it on here before. Right. Like, yeah. Like, what's funny about that the blacksmith thing is like they told him it was for a horror film. 
They told him it was for, you know, a, a killer. But you got the gay antichrist, Clive soon Barker. As, yeah, as soon as you know it's a gay dude, <laughs> oh, nope, sorry, you can't have it. No hook for you. Oh, so we should we should say that this whole thing is based on um, Clive Barker's original story, uh, The Forbidden. Which, um, which neither of us have read. No. and You know, I'll tell you something. I, I've seen a lot of Clive, Worker, Clive Barker's work. Yeah. I actually haven't read a, a much of him. I've only read Weave World. Okay. Which is incredible. We I, think world we, is, I think we have that book now. It's really incredible. From you. <laughs> oh, I gave it to you, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing book. Um, I wouldn't mind reading it again sometime. Well, now um, we have it, so you can. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe once I finish my gigantic tome on English yes. history that I'm only halfway through. Anyways, uh, We World's incredible. I imagine everything else is also fucking incredible. One one part of this that I, I thought that was an interesting commentary is the juxtaposition of um, wealth and privilege of of Helen just being able to be like, oh, I'm just a grad student I'm right, writing right, right. my sure. thesis on, the, sure. and then you have like these very impoverished people that are just like trying to fight for their lives and like yeah, <laughs> and you know I I think that's the way that they portray children especially within the movie I think is really well done. Um, and, you know, for people who haven't been to Chicago before, what you have to understand is that the lake is very big mm-hmm. and it's very accessible to a lot of people. There are, without a doubt, this is, this is going to, you know, sort of blow your mind, children that live on the west and south sides who have never been to the lake. Mm-hmm. Never been there before. Yeah. Because they can't leave their neighborhood. Because they're too poor. Because gangs will literally shoot them if they cross a gang line. It's insane, mm-hmm. and the the poverty that it, that was in, that you see in the film, you know, then in Cabrini Green in a project, although it's torn down now, that same poverty still exists in other places, sure, all yeah. over Chicago. Um, it's a really terrifying thing. So you're just bringing it kind of and all it, back, and it all and it, and we really do have um, the the highly wealthy elite here too. So right. it, it kind of rides both lines in this yeah. movie, which I think is very interesting when you think about um, the privilege that is academia. Without a doubt, you know what I mean, and how y- y- no one's g- no one that grows up you know in poverty is going to be ever ever able to get to that never and you know what i mean and some people are just given it without a doubt so i don't know it was just an interesting thing to think about i think in some ways you know Candyman himself is an embodiment of the problem of racism in america sure it's something that haunts you something that you try to call out um as white people but you you're going to find that it's just going to gut you 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 don't know really the depth of it until you're a black person yourself, until you are living in that situation, until you understand how deep the problem actually is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's great in the story that, you know, terribly great that Candyman was, was, you know, from a family of slaves. Like that's where he comes from. It's just, it, it, it brings the, uh, it brings the racism of the founding of America full circle. That's what it really is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's definitely beyond its years, I think. Uh, yeah, and, and on top of it, it's it's a genius film, and it's scary as like, shit. It's, it, <laughs> I, you know, now I think it's I think it's almost like canon. Like I think it is just absolutely one of the most ingenious films in the horror genre, and and a great film just all all around. Yeah, and especially for '92. This motherfucker came out of nowhere and just punched you all in the face. Yeah. And just to wrap up our kind of like plot 
summary, I guess, is that um, the, the whole wraparound of the movie is that Candyman wants Helen for himself. It was always you. It's, assen- it's essentially that she is the embodiment of his original love. Yeah. And in order for in order for her to save a child, she has to sacrifice herself. Yeah. Um, what I think is really powerful is at the at the end when you see horrific end when you see her um, her funeral and you see all the people lined up just to like thank her all the black people uh-huh. yeah mm. i think it's really i just think it's really powerful it was you take the powerful. line of people and he throws the hook down in there and then she becomes candy bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh my god were you were you thinking of that no, all week it just came to me really yes. I mean, that's a perfect I, okay when we go out after this we're gonna call somebody candy bitch. candy bitch <laughs> hey candy bitch get over here <laughs> Don't don't say it five times though. All right. To wrap up our discussion, Maddie, out of seven stripes, because here at Friday the Thirteenth we judge on a seven stripe scale for the seven <clears> colors <throat> of the rainbow. What do you give Candyman? I've never given a seven. You haven't either. I have once for for what the craft, which is deserving of that. <laughs> I'm going to give Candyman uh, a six point five. I think it is an incredible film. I, we've already talked so much about it already, but. I think it's awesome, and I think it is still terrifying to this day. Good luck finding it, um, because the curse strikes again, as we mentioned before. Sure does. Uh, You literally can't find it anywhere unless you want to buy it on Blu-ray or DVD. So, I mean, do it, because it's worth it. But also, like... What the fuck? <laughs> also, the next time that it comes out digital anywhere, I'm buying it immediately. I know. Right away. Like, I don't want to blame Jordan Peele for this, but... Yeah, that's, well, that, and that is one more thing. Well, actually, no. Do your rating first, okay. and then I'll mention that. Um, I'm right there with you. I feel like I've been being, like, super generous with a lot of my, like, stuff lately. Um, so just to give it a little bit more of a critical eye, I'm going to give it a six. Okay, no, um, that, that makes sense to me. But I, I, I really love it. Um, I think just some of the stuff, um, I don't know. The, 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 the thing about this movie, and the only reason why I come down just, like, a, a slight bit, is that it's very, for how horrific it is, it's a very sleepy movie. Like, I kind of mm. get, like, calmed and then frightened. Do you and then calm? Do you think that's do you think frightened? That, that that that's uh, part of the uh, I don't the, know the style. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm sure it was part of it. Sort but, of like Candyman, but itself. it's just like like Virginia Madsen seems so sleepy throughout the entire movie. Girl, and, have you watched Sideways before? <laughs> uh, it's been a long time, but yeah. same thing. Is that just like her thing? Probably, I think so. I I, I love her. I think she's yeah. a great actress. But also, like you just said, Jordan Peele reminded me to tell people. Yeah. Um, right now in our city, he is filming the new Candyman right now. Yeah, I'm interested to see where they're gonna take it. Like because who knows? Uh, you know, I I I'm I'm. I try not to poo-poo these things too early because I feel like they kind of get a bad rap sometimes. Like, um, I'm just trying to think of like... What I hope is this, um, and I I love Jordan Peele, but like, you know, it it kind of happened with Us, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Us had a lot of jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh What I really hope is that Candyman does not. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I I am tired of our culture... Having to laugh it off. Having to need jokes for fucking everything. Sometimes you can just have a dark movie where no one laughs. Yeah, it's fine. I agree. Kind of like this. Just have a film where you don't have to try so hard, I guess. Not yeah. that Us was. I just mean like, no jokes, please. Please, no jokes. I agree. So we'll see. Um, all right. So I think that about wraps us up with uh, I'm loving it. Candyman. Uh, we'll take a quick break and you'll hear some stuff. And then we'll be right back with Stir of Echoes. Okay, bye. All right, just relax. Put your put your arm down. Just rest it comfortably. <clears throat> just lean back. Just be very comfortable and relaxed. 
Trust me, okay? Close your eyes. Certainly, Lisa. Now, just listen for a moment. Listen to the sounds of the room around you. Now I want you to pretend you're in a theater. A movie theater. You're the only one there. It's one of those great old movie palaces. And you look around. It's a huge empty theater. You notice that the walls of the theater are painted in black. seats covered in black and in the whole pitch black theater there's only one thing you can see and that's the white screen you'll notice there are letters on the screen tall thick black letters but they're out of focus so you begin to drift closer to them in your chair trying to read them and you're very comfortable now it's your favorite chair you're drifting closer and closer, staring at the letters. Very relaxed now, your legs are relaxed. Your arms are limp and heavy. You're almost close enough to read the letters now. They start to come into focus. The letters spell sleep. Guess what, everyone? We're still here, and we're back. <laughs> and we're back with our next film in our horror and media segment, and if you feel something stirring underneath you, it might be because we're about to talk about Stir of Echoes. Echoes, Echoes. <laughs> Andrew, take it away. So Stir of Echoes from 1999. A man is hypnotized at a party by his sister-in-law. He soon has visions and dreams of a ghost of a girl. Trying to avoid this nearly pushes him to the brink of insanity as the ghost wants something from him to find out how she died. Wow. The only way he can get his life back is finding out the truth behind her death. But the more he digs, the more he lets her in. And the shocking truth behind her death puts his whole family in danger. Holy shit. This was directed by David Coep. The writers of the novel that this is based on is actually Richard Matheson. Oh, interesting. Very famous, very huh. famous writer. Okay. Uh, and then um, the screenplay by the director. Cool. Uh, budget was an estimated $12 million, which for 1999 is pretty good. Uh, it's it, double that of Candyman. Yeah. And um, it raked in quite a bit. I mean, it came it came out with its, with its 20, bearings. 21. Yeah. Um, and then Gross World is like 21, a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so so it, it did its job in the box office. It has the uh, the esteemed cast of uh, Kevin Bacon as Tom, Catherine Irby as Maggie, the wonderful and underappreciated, in my opinion, Ileana Douglas as Lisa. Totally. Kevin Dunn as Frank, Connor O'Farrell as Harry, and we get a little a little kid by the name of Zachary David Cope, who plays the little boy Jake in probably one of the least offensive child roles that I've seen. Because usually I hate kids in movies. I would agree with that. <laughs> Does it hurt to be dead? <laughs> um, what were your thoughts you know, Kev- around... Kevin Dunn, he's been in so many things, I too. know. He's like such that. like that guy actor. And, and he always plays the same person. 
Um, what are my thoughts? Um, yeah, what did you think of... What are your initial thoughts Boy. on uh, Stir of Echoes? Had you seen this before? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, many times. I, I love Stir of Echoes. I've always been a big fan. I actually think it's a, a rather unappreciated film. I completely um, agree with you. It's I, I, so it well made. Get, it doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of the um, hypnotic scenes, like literally hypnotic, <gasps> are so well done. So I have, really some, so I have well something done. to tell you about that. Okay. Um, they actually used real hypnotists' techniques. You know what? That's not a surprise. And the and there were um, a, a number of people that actually did go to sleep when watching this movie. My God! Like were actually hypnotized. But what they did is they tried to put in a uh, a, a note, uh, and I'm talking about like a musical note. Yeah. Right when they say sleep, so that it kind of like offsets huh. that. Um, Whoa. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. That they actually like use like actual techniques. So you're saying I didn't black out? I was actually hypnotized. <laughs> well, that was the wine, but gotcha. <laughs> um, no, I, I love Story of Echoes. And, you know, I, I was really thinking while I was watching the film of what a Chicago film it is. Oh um, gosh, and it's such a like Chicago neighborhood. Oh, film. totally. It, it it sort of feels the same way that like Shameless does, right? And like yeah. if you're from Chicago. You can see where they are in Shameless in the same way that like with Stir of Echoes, you can't see it like exactly where they are, but no matter where they are, it feels like Chicago. I can tell you exactly where they were. Well, well we have we have some and I'm glad you you researched those because there are some great locations for it too. But the um you know the thing about like Chicago parties especially is porches in Chicago look different than porches in other cities. Mm-hmm. Just, it's a different kind of porch. And decks, too. And decks, too. And you get that in this. And let me tell you, it's everything. It's 100% authentic. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, I think that's really important, right? It's just like with, the, with the, 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 um, the, the hypnotizing. Yeah. The authenticity really lends it to feeling more authentic. And it, especially with like the porches and the decks, just a little tiny thing. Like you're, you're probably thinking like, oh, well, you could do that on like a set somewhere. No, you can't. This makes it feel real. It feels, in in, and I'm not saying this to um to demean Candyman by any means, but this feels more like our Chicago. Well, I mean, like, you know what I mean. It is. Like this is like where we live. Sure, I mean, but we, it's weird. We didn't live here in '92. Yeah. Um, and we also didn't live on the south side. Yeah, sure. You know, like this is this is like semi south side. It's, you can it's tell. Uh, it, technically it takes place in Logan Square, yeah. which is like um like west. It's of, it's a little west, west of the city. It, it some of it also felt a little bit like Taylor to me, so sort of like 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 Little Italy in a way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels like where we live. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but also, I think that the scares of the movie are intense. The story is really sad. I have to tell you um, really quick about the yeah. scares is that uh, I watched it both with our f- good friend um, Casey and Michael, uh, my husband, and um, he, he was so jumpy during this movie. It's hilarious, actually. I was like, are you going to be okay? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But anyway, continue. Um, yeah, the, the, the story is, uh, is, is horrifically sad. Yeah, sure. and I think it's a story that probably actually happens, you know, more than we would like to think, or that the same kind of story happens very often. Um, and I think a lot of it is is almost like pretty operatic, right? Like you've got mm-hmm. like, you know, there there's a lot of family drama. There's a lot of fathers and their love for their children. There's a lot of mothers who don't know what to do. Um, there are, you know, powerless people being taken advantage of that end up dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a call from the grave for justice. Yep. Um, and all of those things happen in the film. Uh, so it's this drama and it's also this horror film and it's a lot in one. 
Um, and I think that they really succeeded. It's with a lot. It's a lot for ninety nine minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, and and it's concise. Yeah, no, they get right into it. Um, I think um, some of the things that I really appreciated about the movie was a lot of all the uh, the practical stuff that they did. Yeah. So there's a lot of like. Oh, gross moments in this where he pulls his tooth out at one point oh i hate i hate that part oh Uh, god the fingernail on the on the on the ground that gets and uh, there's just a lot and Um, sort of like the the kind of writing where it's like a thing happens and like they're foretelling like like the future and the past i found that very interesting oh and it's just that's like really smart writing where you're like oh and the whole thing the whole thing about the kid um not to cut too close to the end but the kid um being like i'm afraid of the feathers and at the end and a bullet goes through his basically his where he would have been laying if yeah. he was if he was there. Right. Um, some interesting pieces in this. I think that there are a couple of very funny, uh, in funny and not a funny way, but funny uh, pieces of dialogue in this. Yeah. Uh, there's a part where um, Ileana Douglas's character is going to hypnotize Tom, and she goes, "I'm not going to hypnotize you. You're, you're too drunk." And he just goes, "Ah, drunk." <laughs> just i don't know it was really funny to me um and there's another part where um their child is abducted by the babysitter who is the uh, eventual victim's sister yeah um but they go and they go inside the house and the mother is right behind him and he goes searching for the kid can't find him so he goes running off and the wife is like constantly just behind him being like what are you doing like what is going on and she's like where are you going he's like i don't know (laughs) it just like runs away that's hilarious i I can't remember that um i do like the part where um the child is kind of playing with the uh the the trucks on the ground and they're like you know, talk to us. We want to know, like, do you, do you hear this voice often? Cause he talks to the, the, the ghost. Yeah. And, uh, he has a moment where he's like, Samantha, don't ask the boy any more, any more questions. Talk to me. Yeah, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and it's, uh, there's little moments like and it's that. Like, that do, do that voice again. Yeah. Do that voice again. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Do it that again. Part, I will tell you that part gets me a little bit because I'm like, dude, take it down about 10 notches yeah. like this is this is the the weird thing about this movie is it's pretty much kevin bake bacon being manic the yeah. entire movie yeah like from, it, it, from I mean, go the thing the the thing that happens drives him nuts yeah. eventually yeah and the other thing that i will say that um it just it struck me watching it this time is god damn it Kevin Bacon is just a, a complete asshole to his wife the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I, I guess for me, I disagree just a little bit. That's like, fine. I just felt like she was like, "Listen, I understand something's happening, but we still have to like make a living." I, I think I think that's the thing, though, is like, and the they fact just he, he don't... doesn't go to her grandma's funeral. Well, I because I, I think he knows that she doesn't want him to 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 do, keep doing the thing that he knows he needs to do. Because like, and well, it's, I, got, it's, I got something to say about what she wants him to do. Well, fair enough. But I mean, like, just like you know, just like they were saying, like if he doesn't do the thing, like she's gonna, like the ghost is gonna like hurt him. So it's like he has to like get this thing done, just to like get it get it done and, and get the justice over and like and move on. <laughs> I, I just find it really funny that um, so there's a point in the movie where Kevin Bacon is like, I've had enough of this. I need you to like end it and he's yeah. like cancel out this hypnotism so he goes to Ileana Douglas who's with her like little lesbian lover yeah. and that she's like I just smoked a big doobie so you guys know. Can give me a I second just smoked, we just smoked a big fatty um, and someone else in the theater no there's no one else in the theater yeah. well, yes there the, is the thing about that that bugs me is that the, the words on the screen where it's supposed to say sleep, sleep it says dig and he doesn't actually need to dig he needs to like 
I don't know how you per- do it in a word, but he needs to knock the wall down. It should say, excavate I'm, the wall. <laughs> I'm in the wall. Do you, or yeah, or just say wall, or literally just say I'm in the fucking wall. Yeah, I, I do. I do understand that. It's sort of, you know, oftentimes in horror films, things happen, right? Where you're just like, God, why does that have to happen? Yeah, it's exactly. like that, that's the thing. It's sort of like in like it chapter two, or or in or in it in general, right? It's like, why do you have to play with him? Just kill him. You yeah. want to kill him? Just fucking kill him. Do you have to like spend so much time like dancing right. around? Just fucking kill the motherfucker. Um, I did love the effect of um, when he first sees, not the first time he sees her, but the first time he sees her in her environment. And she's yeah. doing that weird like jittery walk yeah, towards her. Yeah. I found that really haunting. Wait, I, I love it when he sees the full story. Um, and has a full understanding, a full understanding of what happened, and he gets cold. You know, he holds yeah, her hand yeah, yeah. and like gets really cold, and and he like sort of like breathes out because I think her like her inhaler like like drops away from her. Um, that was a really um, actually like kind of emotional moment. Um, yeah, and I actually love that part where he's he's it's the first time and he's touching her and he's like in the real life he just looks like he's like yeah holding you know out his arm and she comes there's a really cool effect where she kind of her arms come in and she's like yeah breathe and yeah. like he like comes back to the real world yeah, that i thought right. was really effective i i think that the as much as i don't like the way he treats her i do think that it's an accurate portrayal of like a marriage being challenged sure in, the, in this way so i i find that very believable i yeah. find every piece of dialogue between them very believable um it, it it pains me when he's digging up that backyard because I'm just like, oh man, you don't get many backyards in the city, that's, and you're gonna destroy it. That's gonna hurt. Oh, I wonder God. where they moved to after. I know, right? Like, I, I I did think about that. I was like, are you going to another neighborhood? Or are you leaving the city altogether? One thing like, that are I, you moving to Ravenswood now? To right. My neighborhood is that what, <laughs> like Oak Park? Is that it? Yeah. Um. Um. The one thing that I thought was kind of funny to see, just because this is a 1999 movie and it still suffers from some of like the tropes sure, of, of horror, is that there's like the wise black man. Yeah. You know right. I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a piece of dialogue that he gives that we all three just started cackling. Oh wait. Because he, I think I heard it too. What he is it? literally goes because he's so. There's a scene where they go to the graveyard and um, this soldier who's at a funeral comes up to them to the mother he's and got the child. Nice eyes in and him. He, he says he's got the eyes on him. Yeah. And she's like, "What does that mean?" And he's like, "You know, some people can see that I have it too." Like, but then he goes, and I, I I quote, "Tell daddy to come on over and see me tonight." Yeah. <laughs> Just like what. I do, I do remember that. I just thought it was I a laughed. funny. It was a funny piece of dialogue. I mean, it's it's it. There's no way around it. It's just funny. Um, I'm trying to think some of the other things. I love um, when he first it gets his kind of first uh, uh, when he sees the woman for the first time, and then he goes upstairs and the kid is there, and he yeah. uh, he says, uh, "You're awake now, Daddy. Don't be afraid of it, Daddy." And I was like, "That's pretty good. It's yeah. kind of spooky." It, and uh, I mean, it is spooky. I love I love how they portray the kid being able to talk to the ghost without like having to show the ghost does it hurt to be dead right <laughs> can i ask you a question what's oh, what's your name um okay. so we should say that this actually was filmed right in chicago um and you can tell the residence is on george street um and the movie theater they use is actually in joliet makes sense it's the rialto theater the rialto yeah, I yeah. Bet, i've been there once um some of the other things to to talk about with this movie is that an actual so there's a scene where um, he's when he's being hypnotized that they put a, a safety pin through his hand yeah and they ask him to bleed only out one side it's like part of the hypnotism process sure 
they actually paid a stuntman to come in. That's that is practical. Oh they paid God. a stuntman to come in and actually have a safety pin shoved Jesus. through his hand. So when you see that in the movie, that's actually real. That is so fucking crazy. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else is in here. So there was a lot of changes from the original script. Let me tell you a little bit about that. Uh, originally, um, Maggie, who is the mother, was not yeah. was not going to have a sister. She was actually going to have a brother called huh. Philip. But huh. when they uh, cast when they Ileana Douglas came in, they casted her as kind of like. She was perfect for it. So they're like, we'll change it. Um, then there was another part where um, he went to the hospital and actually got an MRI scan to try to figure out what was wrong with yeah. him, which I think makes a lot of sense because you're like, where, what logically, where would you go the next place? You'd be like, well, I have something sure wrong enough. with my brain. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, some of the other things, uh, there's a little bit more backstory about how they met, a little bit more depth into their relationship. Um, and then uh, let's see. And at the end, the original ending was supposed to be um, them actually giving birth, but the baby having kind of the same um, psychic. Is that huh. would you call it psychic, or would you call it um, uh, maybe more like medium? Yeah, like can hear the hear yeah. the the um, the screams because they're not the they're dead. not predicting the future. They're just sort of like in touch with another side with spirit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll talk. We'll hey, listen. We'll be talking more about mediums very soon, folks. Um, I will say that I had this soundtrack on CD Hell yes, back in the day. I th- um, and something really interesting about this uh, specific soundtrack is that it is a mixture of um, the orchestra music, so the yeah. score, uh, with songs in it, too. Huh. And I really love the main score of this movie. It's kind of like that... I don't. I can't really do it, but it's kind of sure. like um, rhyme timey, like um, sure. music box type of thing, and yeah. it kind of comes in really nicely. It pairs with well with the movie, and I became obsessed with Gob after this, who sings the cover, Paint It Black, the yeah. cover. Which at the time I was like, Gob sings this song, and I had no idea that it was a cover. But <laughs> um, I, I was kind of obsessed with this movie at one point in my life. I, I seen it quite a few times. Why do you think you were? I don't know. I think it was because at the time in 1999, we weren't getting a lot of ghosty movies. We were getting a lot of. Fair enough. We were getting a lot of scream ripoffs. I, and I that do kind of remember stuff. being genuinely scared when I first saw this. There's like, still I, some very um, fulfilling jump scares in this that are not um, hokey. And when the boys do what they do, it's genuinely disturbing. Mm-hmm. And you can see that happening in, in real life. So yeah, the, the main story revolves around um, Tom, who's our main character, trying to solve the murder of Samantha. someone that he knows. It, he doesn't quite know who she is, but yeah. he knows that she was a local neighborhood girl that went missing, or they thought ran away. Uh, and it turns out there were two local boys that lured her in on a, Saint, on a drunken St. Patrick's Day yeah. to a, a, a band, not an abandoned house, a, uh, a house they were fixing up. Yeah, because what, um, what their, their father owned, owned well, he owns, one of their fathers he owns owned, the owned the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and they lure her in and try to rape her. She fights back, and they end up accidentally killing her. Um, which yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't say accidentally because you don't put plastic over somebody's face and accept them, well, expect them to live. Yeah, but. It's one of those things where it's like it starts off with it's like it, it's like young people doing shitty things, such stupid things. Yeah. And like it's it's boys being absolutely stupid fucking boys mm-hmm. thinking that everyone wants to fuck them. Right. And so yeah, come on in. Of course they're gonna wanna fuck me, duh. Right. And then as soon as like they understand that, like, okay, this person doesn't want to consensually fuck me, so now I'm going to have to rape them. Great, so I'm doing that. So as her nails break on the floor, <laughs> as her tooth breaks, as her inhaler goes flying, as her glasses fall off, he continues to, you know, sexually assault her. And then the brother, 
um, sort of just like just oh, no, no, the not, not the brother. The pardon friend, me, yeah. the, the friend, the friend. I'm sorry about that. The friend, you know, hearing her scream, gets plastic off the walls and covers her face with it to stop her screaming, and then they're both complicit in this murder and rape. And it's it's a really terrifying sequence, and it's done extremely well. Yeah, because I, you feel it. I, I actually was very affected by the. Um, when she is dead, yeah, and there's that there's the, kind of that pull away scene where you're 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 seeing the people look over her, but it's slowly yeah. sinking down, right. and it's getting oh, blacker yes. God, and blacker yes. and blacker. That I thought was really and, effective. You know, there are just some people, you know, and I, I the story of the fathers covering it up. Yeah, and they get their um, fathers in, involved, and they they essentially um, hide her in the wall of their what, of of that house of that house. But I, yeah. would you call that a basement or more like a crawl space? Um, no, that that would be a basement okay. for sure. Um, because like there's room down there for storage, but it's also like their boiler room is down there. Yeah, but it's like, also that, like that kind of thing. it doesn't have like a true staircase. It's kind of just like a hatch exactly, in their kitchen, <laughs> right? Which is which is kind of, like you, you don't find that in Chicago. No, really, I found really. that very odd. But... but I'm sure that there are some older homes that still have like a boiler room kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the story of the fathers doing that and covering it up because they're you know they thought that their boys you know shouldn't be discounted their chances because of right. one mistake. It's just sort it of. It all boils like, back down to football. Yeah, I remember think, that, right? It does, and I, I think that that's just like part and parcel of like you know white privilege and privilege in general. Yeah, and how people, you know, no matter who you are, think that you enjoy some sort of privilege that other people don't, and therefore you can break not not authorities' rules, but you can break you, you can break humanity's rules, humanity's <laughs> rules, morality's rules. Mm-hmm. Like you are allowed to do this, but nobody else yeah, is. Yeah, sure. Because in the same way, like you know, these are you know South, south Side kind of guys, right? Because in fact, he even says that they're all from Bridgeport. Um, so you know, these are South Side guys who I guarantee you are you know big time firefighting supporters and big time police supporters. But when it comes down to following the real rules. Well, they don't apply to them. Yeah, you know. Totally. So it's it is an interesting look in, at at Chicago in that way too. I think because these are white people breaking the rules that they expect everyone else to follow. I did love the wrap up. Um, we get a moment where he finds he finally finds the body and he learns about what actually happened. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to one of the father because he doesn't realize that the fathers helped them cover it up. Right. Um, so he goes to one of the fathers because he, he says, you know, I want you to hear this from me first and i'm gonna i'm, I'm, I'm gonna call the cops. i'm gonna call the cops but you you deserve to know what happened here yeah. um and there's a moment where you think that the the kevin dunn character kills himself over over it um and then the other father comes over and attempts to basically kill kevin bacon and yeah. his wife to cover it up so their answer to murder is more murder yeah which is, which is logical oh yeah that's but, gonna work out for you right? <laughs> um but they uh the the kevin dunn kind of becomes the hero in the end and comes up and and shoots him uh and then the yeah, gun he, goes off and the know, feathers go everywhere he has an interesting line there too he says uh, this, this used to be a respectable neighborhood mm-hmm. or something along those lines. I think he says... Um, a decent neighborhood. This, this, decent. this is a decent neighborhood. Decent neighborhood. Yeah. And, and, and you, he's, he's the more conflicted father because he sees what the boys did and it's clear that the other father hatched the plan to cover it up. Sure, yeah. And he, I mean, he went along with it, so this isn't a justification. But, you know, making that comment about this this is a decent neighborhood was just... It haunted me a little bit. I don't <laughs> really know why, but I, I wonder how often people in Chicago, since we're talking about it in, in this episode, how often we all think about our neighborhoods and whether or not they're decent, mm-hmm. and and you know what what happens when things occur that make it suddenly seem indecent. 
Sure. Uh, not a decent place to live. You know, there was a shooting by my house um, a couple months ago that I really thought about because in Ravenswood, they, you know, thank the heavens, we don't have a lot of shootings. It's yeah, like the yeah, one yeah. place, well, in Lincoln Square too, our, our neighborhoods, they don't happen a lot up here. If, it, if something happens, it's very, very rare and very shocking when it does. Um, I don't know. It's just something to think about. Yeah, there's uh, there's one last scene I want to discuss really quick, and it sure. just because it's kind of a fun fact. Um, uh, there's a scene in the backyard where um, Kevin Bacon kicks a bucket out of frustration, yeah, and it goes up and it like breaks the window. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that or not. Actually, I don't remember. Um, that. He kicks the bucket and it like goes up and it breaks the window. Okay. That was completely out of like. It just, it just happened. It was an accident. Oh my god! And he just stayed in character and kept going. And hey, I think good that's for him. A happy accident. You know Dive I mean? in. Yeah. Dive in, actor. Dive in. Yeah. Um, overall, I think that this movie's super effective. Um, I have some issues with some of the characters yeah. and their choices, but uh, that's kind of besides the point. Of course. I think the hypnotism stuff is really cool. The way they did so that, so good, especially for 1999. Yeah. Um, I, I think that when she's like, "You're in a theater," and he's automatically like in like a movie movie theater or a stage and then kind of it it morphs around him by the way that she's uh, describing the theater i think that's super original uh and super super cool yeah i i loved it it's it's um for me if we're if we'll just jump into ratings yeah so what would you give it out of seven stripes i'll give this one uh, a six okay i think it's a really great horror film like you said i think it's underrated yeah for so sure. i'd like to give it a higher rating um i think it's really well done i think the story is great the acting is fantastic um the practicals are wonderful the effects are wonderful just in general this is a great one to watch and it takes place right here in our home yeah i'm i'm gonna give it a five okay just because um like i said before i have some issues with kevin bacon just being like over the top the entire I, I feel time like, i feel like you and i have switched in how we grade things. i know <laughs> i'm like way more liberal now <laughs> and i'm just like i gotta come down on some of these I hate, totally i used to be so conservative on this <laughs> oh but yeah so i'm gonna give it a five but i, I that. that's not for merit because if you remember that, that, if you remember correctly a 3.5 would be an average, average. Movie. uh so this is much higher and we've than given some twos movie. before i think demon house we're oh, looking at you God, demon house is awful <laughs> jesus all right was it, is there anything else you would like to talk about with uh stir of echoes no i did think one of the sons was kind of cute that's it you mean the rapists well not not as <laughs> rapists but like the the one that kills himself i was like oh he's kind of cute see that's, that's funny because i actually thought the other one was cute it, well <laughs> thank god you know what i mean like it's sort of like when when bobby and i go out and he's like oh he's cute and i'm like oh god no and where i was like Thank God we don't like the same people. (laughs) Thank God. Anyways. All right. Well, that will wrap up our discussion on Stir of Echoes. We will take a quick break and we will come back with. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Slice left, slice right. Welcome back, everybody. We're here to close out the show and play a little game. Uh, We like to call this game Slice Left, Slice Right. 
Maddie, will you please remind me of the rules of this game? Because I constantly forget. I sure will. So this is just like when you're doing Tinder or really any other dating app these days. If you slice right, it means you like this person. If you slice left, it means you don't like the person. Okay. So the first person, and we're going to give this to you first, ready, is Tom Witzke, played by Kevin Bacon in Stir of Echoes. Um, I am going to slice left unfortunately okay okay okay. i've never kevin bacon in general just really has never done it for me i can't really explain why there's no reason not even in footloose no not even in footloose not even in friday the 13th okay um i i can't explain it and also in this movie i feel like he's just like toxic as hell and i i can't i can't have that in my life fair enough so i'm gonna i'm gonna slice left what about you i want to slice right he's got a nice body that's all Next, next, next. Uh, next is Candyman, played by the infamous Tony Todd. Slice and right. Let's do this shit, man. I listen. I listen. I will gladly be his victim, like he says. Oh, kinky, Maddie, <laughs> Maddie. Um, and you know what? I've got some people for him to to take out. Sure. So I'm going to say, listen, I'm going to be your victim, but only if you take care of this one, this one, this one, and that one. Okay, I'll slice right as well. I think Tony Todd's a handsome enough guy, and I'd listen. I'd, and I would listen to him read the phone book because mm. he's got a great voice. Fair enough. So I will slice right as well. How about Trevor Lyle, who was he- Helen's boyfriend in Candyman? Uh, slice left. He's an asshole. Totally <laughs> slice left immediately. Glad he's like, dead. Like actually, I'm slicing left, and then I'm going to block your ass right after. <laughs> oh, you're, you're done. Oh yeah, you're, you're done. You're not getting a repeat you're visit, blocking, girl. You're not getting a repeat visit to this Tinder. Are you cheapin? <laughs> you cheapin? What does that mean? He was cheapin. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What does that Watch mean? Watch Clueless. Oh, that that is a reference from like nineteen ninety six. I know, I know, so. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, so our last victim, I guess you would call it, yeah, is Frank. You know, the friendly neighborhood Kevin Dunn. Ah, slicing left. Oh, why? Yeah, he's not my type. You know this. I'm. It's not going to work out. I'll slice right. He seems like a nice family guy. Girl, and he'll he, cover up a murder for me if I yeah, need him I was to. Say, yeah, he put a girl in a wall <laughs> for God's sake. He's. I don't done. know. I don't know my life. You know, it might happen. I might need to put a girl on a wall. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You heard it. Listen, you heard it here first, folks. If Putting you, girls on walls since 1999. Right. If she's missing, it's Andrew over here. Get ready. Oh, gosh. All right. So that is can, that completes our slice left, slice right. And... It completes our show. It completes our show. This was a this was a really fun episode. I'm glad that we focus on Chicago. I think it's so too. Fun to talk about, and it's also where we live. It's where we live, and uh, you all should come visit. And when you do visit, you need to let us know that you're here because we would gladly come out and meet you in our neighborhood for a beer. We will gladly come meet you, come out and meet you in public with lots of other people around us. And that too. And we will meet you within a one mile radius of where we yeah. live, which is basically how every Chicagoan lives their lives. Yes. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Come up, good. Just come up here. Just It'll take the train. No, yeah, be hop on the train. Oh, listen, just get an Uber. Diane, get an Uber. We'll even pay for it. It's totally fine. <laughs> Literally, I'll buy your first your first round. A couple of things we wanted to call out. Of course, uh, we always want to thank our our overlord Bo Ransdell and the, uh, the our overlord <laughs> the Bo. Legion the Legion Podcast Network to which we are a member. Legion, so. we love you. And also, we got a really unique opportunity. Yeah, this is neat. Uh, we were chosen to be um, um, judges for the Creature Feature Film Competition and Festival, which runs from nine. Uh, I was going to say nine four. 
14th <laughs> from September 14th. This is September. Uh, Which is 29th. today. Today yeah. is the 14th. Um, so it, it, it starts a little peek behind the veil because this won't come out for another week, but today's the 14th. Right. Sure, right. <laughs> um, but you can uh, go and uh, watch these movies and kind of play along with us if you go to filmfreeway.com slash creature feature competition. Uh, this year, there are eight teams competing in a short film competition. You can also follow them on Twitter at Wicked Window Pro. And then one more thing to call out, too, is um, because this will come out before this. um, Andrew and I, you've already listened to our amazing interview with Mark Patton Mm -hmm. and Jesse Walsh himself. Um, It was so cool to do. Um, uh, Mark is going to be in Chicago uh, at Cell Block on Saturday, September 28th. Um, 7.30. At 7.30 at Cell Block, which is um, just up on... uh, It's on North Halstead in Boys Town. It's like basically just a little bit uh, south of of Addison and Halstead, essentially. Look it up. (laughs) Yeah, look it up. Cell Block. Um, It's a leather bar. Um, And we are going to be on the panel asking Mark questions for this event. The event is called um, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Halstead Street. Mm -hmm. And it is a fundraiser for the AIDS Walk and Run. Um, uh, All benefiting the Halstead... Or the... uh Gosh, I just blanked on the name of the center on Halstead. Um, yeah, that, that is part of it, too, but also for the AIDS Walk it's and the, Run. It's their team. Exactly. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and Zach Hudson, who's a great guy, a listener of our show, has, has been working so hard on this event. So if you are in or near Chicago, you want to meet Mark Patton, you want to meet us, too, hear some stuff, have some drinks, wear some leather, whatever else we do at <laughs> Cell Block, go to the hole. Um, They'll have drink specials. Yeah. Crystal Skull Vodka is going to be there, too, which is really cool. And every for every Crystal Skull Vodka drink that you buy, they're going to donate a dollar to the cause. Yeah, so. so please come if you are around. We would love to meet you there and see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, that's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be a great time, and we should definitely come out, even if you just want to give them a little bit of money for their yeah, charity. Please do. There'll be a drag show. It's all uh, Nightmare on Elm Street themed, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I think that will end our episode. We just want to yeah. thank thank our listeners once again, as always. Y'all always come out for us, and you all really help us get through doing this thing because we wouldn't want to do it just to listen to our own voices. <laughs> yeah, which is originally what we thought this would be at yeah. the beginning, and now it's not. So we're happy for that. So thank you all. And if you have not left us a review oh, yes, or a please. rating on um, Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate that. We do want to say thank you to everybody that did, because guess what? We made our summer goal. We got over 200 reviews. Over 200 reviews. And also for the first time, we were in the top 200 on podcasts. That's insane. We've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> so it took a, it was a lot of work and we were very happy. To but see that's that. all because of you guys. Exactly. So we really appreciate it. So thank you everyone for being with us. We love you so much. We hope you are enjoying the rest <laughs> of your summer. No ASMR, please. Sorry. Okay. Got it. <laughs> cool. All right. So that will be, bring us to the end. And as always, we invite you to get, get slayed. slayed.